Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe. I'm Joe Cunningham and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Seth Patrick. And James Hunt. We'll discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news before diving into a spoiler-filled discussion of Mike Mitchell's 2005 movie, Sky High. But before any of that, I'm going to ask Seven James to explain to me a comic book concept that as a movie fan, I just don't understand. And this week, you guys, I would like you to explain to me how Venom works outside of the Spider-Man concept. Like, for instance, <laughs> I don't know, in his own series, maybe a series called Lethal Protector. Could you please expe- explain Venom Lethal Protector, please and thanks? Um, well, I, was, I mean, the first thing I was going to say was he doesn't work outside of the Spider-Man universe I mean, is the simple answer. <laughs> but Venom Lethal Protector is not outside the Spider-Man universe. But it's outside yeah, the context of Spider-Man his... being the main character and yeah. Venom being the main character. His origin doesn't work outside of Spider-Man, really. Yeah. But, um, I mean, the thing is, if you look at his origin, it's kind of crazy anyway. So, in fairness, you can sort of divorce Venom from Spider-Man directly. It's just that if you do that, you lose a lot of what's interesting about the character. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think he is fundamentally only really interesting if set up in opposition to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. What about when he's a lethal protector, though? Well, yeah, okay, so lethal protector was, like, Venom became so popular that they decided <clears throat> to give him a spin-off series. Mm. and In which he obviously lethally protects to, things. Yeah, well, obviously, to well, do that, they had to make him a kind of superhero. <laughs> This so... is they, they they had the the funny thing about this is that the exact same thing happened with DC with the Joker, <laughs> uh, where DC wanted to put the Joker in his own series in the seventies because he was so popular, but the problem that they had was you you can't have as the hero of a Marvel or DC superhero comic a villain who kills people. So you can have a hero who kills people because you can have the Punisher. Well, that was kind of if, the if comics you, code. If you give a villain, yeah, it was good. Well, it problem, was kind of comics it? code yeah. mandated, but the Punisher still had his own series. But I think if the character was known as a villain, you have to either make them not a villain or at least make them not kill people. Um, but I mean, Venom does. They tried to actually make him like a anti-hero vigilante, didn't they? Yeah, uh, like basically, this... he struck this deal with Spider-Man where Spider-Man yeah. was like, "I can't beat you, so I'm going to leave you alone as long as you don't commit any crimes." 
So (laughs) then Venom moved from New York to San Francisco and basically starts like fighting villains in San Francisco. Do you know what my favourite thing about about that that the Spider Man Venom deal is? Is that it meant that they had something uh, when Ben Riley came along, the clone of Spider Man who didn't (laughs) have Spider Man's memories of the previous five years. He basically came along, took one look at Venom, went, hang on. Why the fuck have you got a deal not to try and put Venom down? <laughs> this is stupid and ridiculous. So you had Ben Riley passing direct commentary on how stupid Spider-Man comics had become at that point. Yeah. Well, the good news is that the Tom Hardy Venom movie is going to be based on this comic book series. <laughs> Great. I look forward to him fighting the mole people. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is who the baddies are in that first. Yeah. Explain that. Okay, so the Fantastic Four villain, the Mole Man, has these sort of characters called called Moloids Mm -hmm. who live underground. And I I haven't read Lethal Protector for a while, but I believe what happened was these were some, like, emancipated Moloids who had set up their own society in California and were, you know, causing trouble. Okay, I don't think that's going to happen here. Do you? No, me neither. (laughs) No. (laughs) I think when they say they're going to base it on that, they mean that they're basing it on the premise of Venom being kind of an anti-hero. Yeah. Rather than... Um, and setting it in San Francisco, I think. That's yeah. that's going to be part of it. I mean, the way to do this, I think, would just be to begin the film with Venom already Venom. And use the Spider-Man stuff as backstory, or you know, something very va- some vague motivation, and just try not to do an origin story. The about The problem is you can't Eddie really Brock. do that because Spider-Man is teenage Tom Holland Spider-Man. Uh, so I think he you hasn't do it. Bought Venom yet? I think. Well, it, uh, who's to say that's the Spider-Man in, <laughs> well, in, this, in this universe? Um, I, I think you probably do it a bit like <clears throat> Supergirl treated Superman in the first series. Yeah, in the Spider-Man is off there and they talk about him and maybe Venom is upset about him for some reason. Yeah. And yeah, but I just think it's weird to jump Oh, it's, it's definitely weird. It's yeah, very Spider-Man's weird. Spider-Man's life kind of thing. <laughs> but Listen, we'll get, to, we'll get to Spider-Man weirdness in just a little bit. Um... <laughs> Let's let's use that as a pivot point into the news. Um, there's a lot of news this week, um, and uh, I've got a fun idea for a game that we're going to play <laughs> as we progress through our news section. Um, it will become clear as as we go through. Um, but even since you guys did the news minisode uh, the other week, there has been just some enormous comic book movie news uh, to the point at which I'm not leading with the Avengers Infinity War trailer because there's just been so much craziness going on and I think the item to lead with is something that I don't think we ended up mentioning on the podcast. It was something that was potentially in the ether um, a few uh, a month or so ago and seemed to disappear as soon as it was as, as soon as it had turned up which was that Disney were interested in buying 20th Century Fox now, that deal, as it first happened, kind of died as quickly as as I said as it was as it was first mentioned. Um, but it's since resurfaced that Disney, while they might not might not be in the market anymore for completely buying out 
20th Century Fox, what they might be interested in still doing is buying out the film division and the subsidiaries of the film division. So that would include, obviously, uh, the main Fox studio and stuff like Fox Searchlight. Um, they own Hulu, so it would, it would involve that streaming service. Um, it would, wouldn't it technically mean that uh, the that the alien xenomorph was a Disney princess? <laughs> I think I think that's that is exactly what it would mean, uh, Seth. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, it's a weird thing, and I think before we get into talking about the superhero implications of this, um, we should say this is this is a thing that is bad for culture, right? A, a studio as big as Disney, <laughs> yeah, buying up well, one I... of the other major players. I think it's something like if you account for the box office of Disney and. Fox together is something like thirty percent of the global cinema takings for everything. I mean, I, I already like, think in terms it's... of it being a monopoly, like Disney are already quite bad at that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I already think it's Marvel wrong that they have and Marvel and Star Lucas. Wars. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they should only have one of those as a maximum. Well, no, they, <laughs> Disney should only have Disney well, stuff, <laughs> not Star Wars and Marvel. Well, you think that that they are becoming an IP factory? They own. So obviously, of the big ones that they bought up, they own Pixar, Marvel, uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm. So they also own Indiana Jones because of that. Um, yep. Obviously, <laughs> Monkey yeah. Island. <laughs> yeah, exactly the big ones. They've they've obviously got their own big IP for like that they cultivated over the years. I mean, the, the Disney princesses being not insubstantial among those. Um, Goof Troop. <laughs> but so if you. If you bring in Fox and all of their stuff into that, it's it kind of becomes a terrifying. Like you look to Wall-E and by and large in the future, and you go, "Yeah, that's that's Disney right there, isn't it? That's the that's the corporate overlord we will Dis- all be Disney, bound towards." Disney have basically become Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> insert pop culture reference here. No, literally insert any of them because we own them all. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it's. Uh, I think we can. I think can we agree? It's it's not a great thing for for culture because especially no. when you look at a, a type of film that Disney makes, which is increasingly becoming the mega budget blockbuster that you can release at any time of the year. It would almost be like Disney owns the majority of that space mm. and the rest, and it's for the rest of the studios then to make the middle budget films. And, and even and, and even the, then, it's like. You know, you've, you've only really against them. It's like Warner's have got pretty much everything else, you know, because Warner's have got the Harry Potter franchise and the DC stuff. So it's like, you know, it's not even that the rest of the stuff is particular. The stuff they haven't got is particularly spread around in terms of that top level stuff. But I know what you mean about you talking about, you know, the sort of the stuff to challenge them and the, the kind of mid level sort of. And even uh, in even in terms of the studios that I mean, this would I think even feel vastly different if Fox was buying Sony. Because Sony is a film division that has been struggling. Twentieth mm. Century Fox has not been struggling. Twentieth Century Fox has been doing very well, and it, it, it it's it's worrying that a studio that a company like Fox wants to get out of the movie business. Mm. It, it it it's an increasing sense that just you're you're not going to have at least again at the big budget film level people wanting to really challenge anymore because you need that competition really in, in when it when it comes to to art and creativity you need people pushing each other and you need people going well they were really successful so we need to do something better 
Um, you know, to to make an analogy with with music, I'm put in mind of the fact that uh, hang on, which which way round was it? Who was it? Which came first out of Pet Sounds and Sgt. Pepper? Um, but the, one of them only exists. <laughs> Keep because... it relevant with the. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is just exactly you know one only exists because I, I think it's Pet Sounds exists because Brian Wilson heard Sgt. Yeah, Pepper yeah, yeah. and went shit. I've got to up my game, you know. But if if everything is Disney, and so everything just makes Disney money because they haven't got to compete with anybody, then, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's worth with. noting, like, this kind of happened in the comics industry, didn't it? Where, like, Marvel was on top for so long that it took them, like, ten years for anyone to mount any actual challenge. Mm. And, and also, like, like, what happened was we had five years of great Marvel comics and then five years of super lazy Marvel comics. Mm. And also, when it's just Marvel and DC, and you don't have the the other publishers that were able to compete with, like you know, kind of with DC in the in the kind of fifties, and then you know things popping up as well in the kind of sixties and seventies. Like I know, you know, in non superhero, you you have competing publishers, but again, it's you know the new stuff is not getting created. You know, super superhero fiction to you know to steer this round to our subject matter has a real issue with new characters and ideas mm-hmm. not taking off because if marvel or dc try a new character and it doesn't come off they can just fall back to the stock of stuff that they already have whereas if someone who doesn't have that ip stock behind them they have to take risks they have to create something new mm. um i'm just I'm i'm just now uh that no, doesn't matter go on sorry <laughs> Well, uh, so let's let's pivot on to the the superhero side of things because I think it, it, it's important to qualify it with that because you know if we'd have heard that Fox were selling the rights to Fan- Fantastic Four and the X Men back to Marvel, we might have got like you know the kind of the fanboy thrills that you saw some people still getting online going, oh my god, what does this mean for uh, yeah. what what for Avengers six rather than. Oh I mean, my fairness, god, what does this mean for Avengers 27, you know? In fairness, I do have that still. <laughs> well, yes, still. So, And we are going to, you know, this is this podcast, but I thought we should qualify it with that because I think that is ultimately more important than what we're going to go on to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and so the next set of things is that, yes, we have the X-Men characters. We have the, the Fantastic Four characters. Kind of, it's a slightly different situation. We'll get to that. But in terms of these characters, do you actually want from next year, from 2018, for Disney to be for Disney and Marvel to be planning how they integrate X Men into their universe? Is that something you want to see? Do we want yes. to see those characters in the MCU? <laughs> yeah, because we've had 17 years of standalone X Men movies, and all they do is make the same film again and again, which is until like this last year or so. Yeah. But there's no, like, I don't think Disney's going to not make a Deadpool film. <laughs> right? Well, it might not be something that's their priority. Deadpool was the most money-making of all of the X-Men films, like, globally, if anything. Yeah, yeah. but how, if anything, how they're going to just jettison the rest of it. Than... Yeah. Well, Deadpool did 700 million. That's more than a lot of Marvel mm. films. Yeah, but if that doesn't fit with your brand, 
If that is not doing the deposit, Disney is all about brand deposits. Every film is doing something for itself and I mean, doing something for the Disney brand. What this is it? kind of what I mean about them not needing to do it as well. Yeah. Disney don't well, need quite, a yeah. Deadpool hit the way that Fox needed it. They certainly <laughs> don't need to do a Logan. They don't need to take a risk on New Mutants being a horror movie. If it's and and if all of these characters exist in the MCU rather than outside, then it you know you get you get a risk which is Guardians or Thor Ragnarok, which is a stretch on the continuum of the MCU rather than being something completely completely different. I mean that said, I would rather have an Avengers quality X Men film than Logan. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I know. My hope is that that I mean, and I've no faith that this would happen, but that Disney kind of does have does almost keep up Twentieth Century Fox as an arm of the business, and that they can still release Twentieth Century Fox films. They just own the company and they take the IP that they want to take into Disney for themselves. Um, but that the other stuff, they kind of allow the separate studio to continue working as it is. Uh, I mean, but uh, who knows? The one that I would like to see, I think, um, more than the X-Men at this point, I'd, I'd kind of like to see Kevin Feige giving some guidance to the X-Men universe, I think, more than I, more than I would like to see the X-Men showing up in an Avengers movie. What I would like to see turn up in the MCU is the Fantastic Four, because I think they would fit. They would definitely and, and, fit more. I mean, the thing about the X-Men concept be- is that, like, that... The X-Men as a concept is built to be standalone. Like, it works better if those characters aren't part of a superhero universe. Hmm. Because, like, the whole sort of basis of the franchise is these people are hated and feared for being different and it works less well if you've got superheroes around who aren't hated and feared for being different so so and what were, what were you going to say about the fantastic four um that the fantastic four might not be included in the deal well so what's now being talked about because well, fox fox don't actually own the rights in the way that they do with the x-men no and i'm surprised that this wasn't being talked about from the moment that fans started getting excited on the internet yeah it has always been the case with the fantastic four that there is and i can't remember the name of the company we discussed this on a yeah we mentioned this on our fantastic four episode certainly when the 2015 film came out uh maybe even on our last fantastic four episode but yeah it's a different company who owns the licensing and they currently work with fox now obviously it would stand to reason that disney would be the first port of call if fox is a studio no longer exists in its own right. Um, and I think it's one of those cases that, uh, which is why the Roger Corman film exists, that if they don't make a Fantastic Four film every X amount of years, then the rights do revert back to Marvel. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that Disney would still probably be able to make a Fantastic Four movie should they want, but it also might be one of those Incredible Hulk situations where... Uh, well, we don't get to keep all of the profits, so why would we bother doing Fantastic Four if we've, you know, if we can make a Moon Knight movie where we can keep the profits? I don't know, just a random example. The thing, the thing with, I mean, with the rights question aside, in terms of the question of them fitting into the MCU, um, I've no doubt that an MCU style Fantastic, like I feel like the MCU 
Marvel Studios would get the Fantastic Four in terms of doing a Fantastic Four. It's, it's ready-made for those um, characters. My concern, really, though, is that, you know, after the last film, I don't want another Fantastic Four film that's about a young Fantastic Four being created. I feel if the Fantastic Four are going to fit in an existing Marvel universe, they need to be the the pre-existing Fantastic mm-hmm. Four. Um, you know, they're the people Spider-Man goes to try and get a job with. Um, you know, they're, they're the kind of shining lights of the universe, and you have that problem that, that they're not that. I think there's ways you can do it. Um, I've talked before about my idea for, yeah. you know, be, them being displaced from a parallel universe. Equally, given the amount of history retconning that the MCU's already done, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to have them be from the 1960s, and they've gone off on an adventure, and they've been missing for 50 years. And they come back. Uh, you know, it's maybe a bit Captain America, but I think it's, I think it's very achievable. Um, so, you know, I, I would want to see them show up pretty fully formed. I would not want to sit through two hours with them going into space and by the end of the film, they finally decided to call themselves the Fantastic Four. Yeah. We don't need to sit through that again. Just as we didn't need to sit through it with Spider Man. Look what happened with Spider Man. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, want to an see. an okay movie. <laughs> I want to see um, an Avengers 5 where we explore a multiverse and in the other multiverse we are introduced to the Fantastic Four. Shouldn't been... it be Avengers 4? No. <laughs> no, because the number 4. Oh, Fantastic 4. I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there, yeah, there's there, it was some, some ultimate universe kind of thing where the Fantastic Four are over there and Doctor Doom has found his way into our universe, and the Fantastic Four come over and team up with the Avengers to fight him. I mean, in all seriousness... That's the kind of thing I want. In all seriousness, the thing that excites me about this deal is that the MCU might actually get some decent villains back. Well, that's the biggest because, thing, isn't like, it? It's not the, so much about the, the really Fantastic big Four. villains, right? <laughs> Magneto, Phoenix, Doctor Doom, Galactus. I'd, I mean, I'd say it's all about Doctor Doom, and maybe to an extent Galactus as well. But if nothing else, even if they never do a Fantastic Four movie, and they never do an X-Men movie, at least they could put Doctor Doom as the villain in an Avengers movie. And they've got mm-hmm. Ka- Kang, right? He's a big Avengers villain? Is that right? <sighs> yeah, but Kang's not <laughs> not so great as a villain. Like yeah, he's all, undoubtedly he's a big all, Avengers villain. All you who, need in the MCU is the IP of a character, and yeah. you, and then you do your thing with him. Yeah. What they could also do instead of a Fantastic Four movie, if they have the rights to the Fantastic Four, that means they have the rights to do FF. So we could have FF with uh, Ant Man and She Hulk and Medusa. <laughs> <laughs> After, well, the, after the success of the Inhumans. And don't forget I think Ms. Thing. That would be a great idea. And Ms. Thing. I wasn't going to say that purely because then I would have to explain it. Um, <laughs> uh, do you know what? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so that's so that's what's going on with Disney um, and Fox. My question to you guys then is, given the films that are on Fox's schedule, I know what we always like to do with these movies is guess whether these movies are going to happen. And I want to do a bit of projection into the future. So here are the films that are currently on Fox's slate. We've got the new mutants. When Fox and Marvel, if should it come to pass, do we think the new mutants franchise continues? No. 
Seb? I don't think it I don't think it continues after this film to be honest but we'll see how it does. <laughs> yeah. You think it you think New Mutants goes as well? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to last. Right. But I don't think that film's going to be a hit. So Deadpool 2 is out in June. Does Deadpool continue post merger? Definitely. Yeah. And yes. if anything it becomes more meta. <laughs> Wonderful. Um X-Men Dark Phoenix. So the X-Men <laughs> the main X-Men bye bye, series. Kimberg <laughs> X-Men films. I mean, let's face it, they're already on shaky ground. Like that film series, there you don't really want to remind people of the people who've been involved in that series beforehand. Mm. You've got stars who some of whom don't really want to do it anymore. Um that series is over. I'm amazed that series is still going after Apocalypse, to be honest. And especially in this format, like I can't see any circumstance under which Dark Phoenix does better than Apocalypse, and Apocalypse already did badly. And yeah. I think I think Simon Kimberg has a bit of a job on to maybe disassociate himself from yeah. Brian Singer, and you know, and I know he's done other stuff without Brian Singer, but moving away from those films. Uh, I mean, and like, he's, he's doing essentially a remake of a film. He already helped screw up. Like, it's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's like, no, look, we're doing dark Phoenix again, but we're doing it right this time with the same writer. Yeah. Um, Gambit. Again, I don't think it's going to get past this movie. So it's not. Yeah. Not I mean, huge. I, having come around to this movie happening, but I couldn't see it surviving the transition. Channing Tatum, though, you guys. Uh, he doesn't open movies, though, does he? <laughs> he didn't open Logan Lucky. He is he is a... He's still a star. <laughs> no one opens movies anymore. <laughs> we don't have movie stars. We just have characters. Um, and then X-Force, which is obviously, I think, the kind of the culmination of what Fox wants to do outside of their main X-Men series. If X Force is a Deadpool and Cable driven thing, yeah. then yeah, it's... I'd I'd lump that in with Deadpool continuing. Yeah, sure. Whether or not the day X Force would specifically happen depends on how people react to Cable. Like if if De- if Cable and Deadpool, hang on, is it called Deadpool and Cable? Uh, was it just called? It, what, it's called Deadpool what? Two, isn't it? It is it's called yeah, entitled Deadpool, Deadpool Sequel. Okay, um, if that's a hit, if that's unequivocally a hit, and everybody loves Cable, then yes. If it's a hit, but people go, mm, Cable didn't really work, then we'll just get more Deadpool. I mean, yeah. I genuinely think if you've got the X-Men franchise and you're doing X-Men movies, X-Force in some incarnation is a dead set. Like, it's a miracle it's taken them this long to get to it. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so that was the, the DC Fox News. Um, <laughs> Marvel see- Fox News. Yeah, sorry, DC. That was the Marvel Fox news. Um, so that was the Fox side of things. Let's pivot over to the uh, the Marvel side of things because you guys, we got an Avengers Infinity War trailer. Um, not ex- so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry we, everyone. We almost convened to record a, a special podcast just on it, um, and we couldn't quite make it happen. And um, then, basically, the next day, I listened to the exact podcast format we had in mind, recorded by the Empire Podcast. So yeah. that was annoying. Uh, but let's talk about it now um, because um, I, I mean. Are we all just gonna kind of agree here with like, oh, cool, that looks cool. I'm quite excited for that. 
it looks better than I thought it had any right to look. And I, it's going to disappoint me. I know it's going to disappoint me, but <laughs> oh my God, look at all of these characters. Exactly. It's, it's reminded me that something that I think we can get quite cynical over is something that can still excite me. And it's like, you know, in the same way as the first Avengers film was all about throwing together those, what was it, six, seven characters. How many How many is it? <laughs> uh, four main ones, Nick Fury, um, Hawkeye, yeah. Black Widow. Yeah, six, yeah, six, seven. Maria Hill, if you want to include her, Coulson. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it was about throwing together that number of characters and how exciting that was, and that was a thing that we weren't going to have seen before, and, and it delivered on it. And then, obviously, we've had so many films since, and we've had them all appearing in each other's films, and, you know, I would have thought that the, uh, that the central premise of look, it's everyone you love in one place, would not be as exciting as it is. But it's all that that trailer is about. And it's, yeah, wonderful. <sighs> and it's that, just to jump straight to it, but that last shot, the way that they put the Guardians in, is perfect. Because if you're like us, you watch that trailer and you're like, oh, okay, this trailer's got pretty much to the end. Oh, but there's still a bit of time left on the counter, so maybe that's going to be mm-hmm. good. Because you spend it going, oh, where are the Guardians? Where are the Guardians? And then I saw there was a little time left on the counter and I was like, we're going to see the Guardians at the very end. And then we saw them <laughs> at the very end and it was great. But I just think about this more in terms of somebody who likes these films but doesn't follow them obsessively the way we do probably has no idea that they're planning a film that actually brings everyone, including Thor and the Guardians, together. That shot at the end of that trailer, it's like the it's like showing the Hulk bit in the Ragnarok trailer. Yeah. It's, the, it's like well, a I film think it's that was the, already gonna make money, chucking on even more money to it's the expected the, box it's office. Spider Man in Civil War, I think. Trailer. It's Spider Man yeah. in the Civil War trailer. It's it's <laughs> Hey guys They're really good at doing that. And just the <laughs> the the kind of the look that is on Chris Chris Pratt's face oh, of this kind of like this kind of you see them in the chat, you're like, these guys look cool, but also we know those characters, we know, yeah, and we exactly. know we know what a poser Star-Lord is, and that just, that kind of slightly shit tash that he's rocking, and the kind of like, I'm trying to look cool, but I'm, I've kind of got a weird little smirk on my face, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're here now. It, it's, it's, like, the, it's your welcome tell you the again. Most surprising, the most surprising thing about that trailer was that Mantis is in it. <laughs> I was like, Really? You're actually doing Mantis, okay? Yeah, yeah she's, she's a member of the team, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm with you here, James. I think, yeah, it feels weird that she is now a member of that team. Um, yeah, didn't really feel like she got quite the. It was like, oh yeah, she was that side character in the second movie. Yep. Oh, and now she, yeah, okay, fine. Um, notable absentees. Uh, no Ant Man or the Wasp, but we know they're in it. Uh, no Hawkeye. Um, I mean, just quickly, do we no know Hawkeye. that Ant-Man and the Wasp were in the first half? Because yes. I think it's it's interesting no. that they've got a solo movie between those two Avengers films. No, I'm pretty sure they're in it. Uh, do you know? I mean, I Ant-Man, don't know. Ant-Man's but... on the poster. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And it's Cause... not a poster for the two parts, it's a poster for that film. Well... I mean, we know Hawkeye's in it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I just... I kind of think, unless what would the... be the what would be the reason not to have all of those characters and not have Ant Man and well, because because you're doing the Wasp's origin in Ant Man and the Wasp, and you want to introduce her that way before putting her in Avengers Four. What's what's her origin? She she she's got a suit. 
and she's got yeah. the technology. What's what's the origin? We've, seen, we've seen her origin already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure, but at the same time, I sort of think there's a good reason they didn't, sh- that, like, there's something they're keeping back. Maybe they're just keeping back the fact that the Wasp is probably. a superhero in it. Who knows? And probably they're not they're not major characters in the big s- scale of things, uh, no pun intended, and that prob- maybe the sequences that they're a part <laughs> of say, haven't maybe been completed yet. Yeah, yeah. That's probably most... Like, I, I mean, I, f- I think that's probably why we don't see Hawkeye, for example. Um, should we talk about... Uh, let's, let's blast through it. Some of the cool things that we do see... Um, I, I mean, I love that this was kind of built around that somber take on Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme. And just like, can I just give a to anyone who says that I also flipped the bird there to anyone who says that the MCU doesn't do good superhero themes because yeah, because there's yeah. at least one. <laughs> that oh, because when theme. that comes in, oh, the shivers down your spine. Yeah, that is one of the for me. That's that's one of the all time movie themes um at this at this point let alone superhero themes uh, i think cap's got a great theme as well um and the stuff that the mcu did with music in iron man and the Gu- and guardians of the galaxy means that those kind of those characters are identified by a by a musical vibe more than a musical theme so yeah um, i mean but iron man also kind of has his bit anyway um, so yeah, I, I kind of loved that. I loved the the you know getting the characters to read the Nick Fury quote from uh, it, it. That is from the post credit scene of Iron Man, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where he says Wait, that there there was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. Uh, that's that's the is that the. That's what Nick Fury says mm, at the end of Iron Man, isn't it? I can't it? remember, to be honest. I no, I don't it think it's. I think it's in Avengers. Is it? Yeah. Even so, it's pretty cool. I like the whole setup, and then we start seeing, we start seeing some some cool stuff. So we see <laughs> we see the two Sherlock's together, which is cool. <laughs> We've now got. Two. Are we going to get the two Watsons? I don't. Uh, it might be a bit too soon for the two Watsons. Maybe in. Uh, Maybe in Avengers 4. Actually, no, do you know what? Right, okay, this is going off topic, but given Freeman's role, given that character as, you know, a kind of admin bloke, if we get, if we, if we're doing Captain Marvel in flashbacks, it's not inconceivable that they could have encountered each other in the night. It's not, but I don't think it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um so yeah we 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 see vision uh in human form are we thinking that's some scarlet witch magic that she's <laughs> no 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 that? that's victor shade that's his human identity whether he can shift into to you know go about his daily business as a normal person it's a secret identity if they call it victor shade i'll be very happy <laughs> if 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 they go and if him and Scarlet Witch go and settle down in a house in suburbia and create children, um, I'll be very happy as well. <laughs> Magic mm. children. I mean, the thing about Vision is he's definitely dying in this film, isn't he? So, uh, do you know what? <laughs> if like... he was, would they put it, would they put that shot in the? Trailer? Yeah, that's it. And and the fact that or, or was that were you making that joke? Joe? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, uh, you were making that yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that that shot of the the Infinity Stone being pulled from his head. Obviously, he we don't see the Infinity Stone being removed from his head, and we don't see that stone being placed into the gauntlet. Yeah. Should we do? Should we do an Infinity Stone catch up? 
<laughs> Go for it. Blue stone, space stone. It was the Tesseract. Uh, Loki's Loki, got it. Loki's got it, and we see, uh, we see the blue stone actually being put into the gauntlet in this film. I think. Yeah. We then yeah. we also see Loki handing it to someone. So we see Loki handing it to to either Thanos or one of Thanos's minions. You got to be worried about those Asgardians on that ship, don't you? And and for Loki himself, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I, I don't think Loki is doing that as willingly as the trailer might want you to think. No, well, I, no, I think he's literally doing it either to save Asgardians or literally out of you know utter fear. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so so we know that Thanos is getting the blue one. Yellowstone is uh is in Vision's head. It's from the Scepter. We see Thanos trying to get it, but not necessarily getting it. So I wonder whether that might be part of this film, like both the Avengers and the bad guys trying to figure out how they extract that stone from Vision. Possibly. But- I mean, I think it will just be a matter of they eventually get him and prize it out. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't think it will kill him I think you know his love for the Scarlet Witch will keep him alive or some nonsense right uh, so the Power Stone purple that was the orb in Guardians of the Galaxy uh, the Nova Core had it but we see it in the Infinity Gauntlet already so does that feel that strikes me as a pre, like almost a pre-credit sequence that you yeah. know guaranteed we, at some point in this film we see Xandar Thanos completely it. destroying Xandar here yeah, so like Glenn Close and uh, John C. Riley, you've got to be worried, don't you? I'm worried about John C. Riley's family after the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, and so this this is a, a puzzling one. The Reality Stone, which was the Ether from Thor: The Dark World, that's the Red Stone. Uh, the Collector currently has that. We, I think, we're seeing the Collector and the Grandmaster again, maybe kind of like off-world with Thor and the Guardians. You know those two char- those sets of characters. We don't see them on Earth in the trailer. That stone is notably off Earth. Could we have maybe like some of Thanos's minions trying to get to the Ether while Thor and the Guardians are trying to get to it? Yeah, I think that's quite likely because pre-existing history with Thor and you know pre-existing history with the Guardians seems like a fairly Fairly likely situation. And God, who doesn't want to see Hemsworth, Pratt, Goldblum, Benicia del Toro, all on screen at the same time? That sounds like <laughs> that sounds like a scene. I'm not sure I could cope with that for a full movie, but that's a scene I want to see. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the Power Stone. Uh, the Time Stone is the Eye of Agamotto, the green one from Doctor Strange. That is around Doctor Strange's neck in this trailer. Um, it, that feels like a pretty easy one for Thanos to get should he need it, and it may and that whole New York action sequence you would not be at all surprised if that is all set around getting the Time Stone. Sure, you know, yeah, well, because Hulk, we see Hulk thrown through the well. I'm assuming he lands in the Sanctum, in the New York Sanctum, in the trailer. We see Wong, <laughs> and that's what you call efficient storytelling. Well, no, uh, you, you wonder, like, it's, it almost seems too convenient that, you know, like, he was on that ship that we know Thanos is attacking, and Hulk ends up being smashed into there. It seems maybe a little bit more deliberate, you know? <laughs> That's, that may, that maybe is a set, uh, you know, a yeah, sure, yeah. act one battle sequence that ends with Thanos getting that, that time stone. Um, 
And then, so the missing one is the soul stone. Um, <laughs> you guys, that and that's an orange stone, I believe. Given that this trailer is majority kind of focused on a big action sequence in Wakanda, are we thinking that the the soul stone has to be in Wakanda? That and that it will be a feature of Black Panther. I'm kind of not fully convinced that the Soul Stone is going to be in this movie, or at least not until the end. But I, I kind of think that it's going to. I think that the Soul Stone is going to be a part of Black Panther in much the same way that the Time Stone was part of Doctor Strange. It's there and it's an Infinity Stone, but no one really treats it with the weight that we as an audience do. Yeah, I mean, the Soul Stone, you can kind of imagine that speaking to Black Panther's themes. So if it is in there, I wouldn't be surprised. We spoke about in the trailer, didn't we, for the Black Panther trailer, that, um, you know, there was uh, Black Panther... What's his name? Black Panther's dad? T'Chaka. T'Chaka, yeah. There's, there's like, he narrates the first half of the trailer and there's the... I know that in the comics that the characters in Black Panther can commune with the dead. Is that right? Yep. Uh, through through different means, but it would not be a stretch to imagine that the MCU goes, oh yeah, well they do it in the films because they've got the Soul Stone in Wakanda. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so yeah, it, it feels like this film is very much set around can Thanos get all of the Infinity Stones, and if he does or doesn't, how do you how do you lay the table in between to get between that? Avengers 4 and Avengers 5 like do, do do we see utter destruction of the Avengers or do we see kind of like a small victory while Thanos regroups I don't know it's uh, I, I'm actually I actually think it's quite refreshing almost because of the two parts of this movie that we you know if there's an if there's an Avengers Infinity War movie on its own where Thanos turns up with the gauntlet you're like, well, yeah, so he's he's going to smash some shit up, but by the end of the movie, the Avengers will have defeated him. <laughs> this could be one of these rare blockbuster movies where, you know, the heroes actually do lose. Yeah, I do think it's going to have a kind of Matrix Reloaded cliffhanger ending. What's, what, what's the Matrix Reloaded? It's one of the proposed Matrix sequels. <laughs> okay, I'll be interested if they ever do that. That's nah, time. nah, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> it has way more merit than that, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is, that's the second time today I've made the they didn't make any Matrix sequels joke. In uh, the other one was uh, in an unrelated context in a work meeting earlier today. <laughs> I'm I'm much more on board. I you know I I would be much more excited if the Wachowskis told me they were doing the Matrix Four than this potential remake that they've got in the works. God knows who would want to watch it in a, a Matrix movie that that isn't coming from the Wachowskis. But sure. hey ho. Yeah. Fair. That's that's a tangent, isn't it? Um, so so yeah, it's actually well, Matrix is a superhero movie. We should cover it one day. I'm I, honestly, I'm so badly tempted. He literally becomes Superman at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question that it's a superhero movie yeah. that's totally rooted in in comic book lore and rules and stuff. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think before we move on from the Avengers trailer, which you know we we all thought was really fucking cool. Uh, was there any one moment that just made you go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm here for? Guardian's <laughs> appearance. <laughs> but um, the, I think it may even have been 
I don't know if it was you, James, who said it. I think I saw a few people say something along similar lines. But if you cast your mind back to when the first Iron Man film came out, did you ever think you'd see a movie where Thanos chokeholds Spider-Man? <laughs> did we ever think we would get that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it was probably Bruce Banner working on the Hulkbuster armor. <laughs> uh, do you... Right. Oh, the... and uh, Steve Rogers' beard. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> have you seen the rumours that that, that Hulkbuster armour might not have Tony inside? I have seen the rumours and I'm very excited for it. <laughs> that it might li- be literally a Hulk busting out of the armour. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I'm so here for. <laughs> Hulk, Hulk wearing the Hulkbuster armour would be, yeah, one of, yes. one of the best things that they can yeah. do. That would be the moment where the movies surpass the comics. Because <laughs> the comics have never done that as far as I'm aware. I've got to say, the moment the moment that I that I was like, Oh yeah, I am. I'm so here for this. Is the it was the Captain America reveal because was it get this man a shield? Yeah, and do you know what? Like this is coming from someone who watched who watched <laughs> Civil War and thought Tony was right. But there is there is no doubting that like in terms of in ter- for me the MCU kind of is that dichotomy of. Uh, in terms of these bigger, the big crossover Avengers side of the MCU, anyway, it is the dichotomy of Tony Stark and Chris Rogers, uh, Steve Chris Rogers, Steve Rogers, <laughs> and Jesus. I'm, it is I'm, easy to get Chris Evans mixed up with the superhero that plays him. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I've also got cricket on the mind, which was uh, which was why I used that particular name. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I just like. I've got so much invested in Captain America and I, you know, ultimately if it's Cap who literally, when you compare some of his superpowers to the others, you know, doesn't have an awful lot. I was having an argument with some friends who were like casual uh, watchers of the MCU movies about like, they were like, oh, you know, like uh, they were saying like, I didn't like the Steve Rogers moment in the the Avengers trailer. Like it's just what Roy did up soldier who gives a shit and i'm like no but that's the, it's the guy it's the it's it's <laughs> yeah. the man that's the point um you, you know and the idea of him being the leader of the avengers which is the the sense of this trailer you you almost you feel like there is tony leading one band of avengers steve rogers leading another band mm-hmm. of the avengers and that and thor leading another yeah, kind of. Um, but that and that's that's you know that's kind of the 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 split that we've got there. And Steve does feel like the like the leader and like the the hero you want to root for. And honestly, I think Chris Evans is getting he is so close now to that kind of immortal level of superhero actors where. I think in twenty thirty years you look back and you go, yeah, that was that's that was the Christopher Reeve for our generation, um, and yeah, you 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 kind of it's, it's you you wonder what's going to come after this, don't you? You wonder what's going to come once once this phase is over. Do we do we still get to see Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in the MCU? And I think that's that's another positive thing for these mo- these movies here that. A lot of the time, there is a guarantee that a character com- that characters will come out alive. Uh, this time, that's not the case. 
I mean, <laughs> you keep saying that, and it keeps not being <laughs> and it true. Keeps not happening. No, but it's 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 the end of phase three. There are contracts coming to a close. Some of these characters will not come back. Contracts have come to a close before, and then they. Do <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> that appeared. Steve turning up again in the trailer does just drive home for me that if the MCU becomes a place without Steve Rogers in it, it's a place that I'm suddenly a lot less interested in. Um, you know, even if it has Rocket Raccoon in it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I hope he gets the chance to quietly retire after Infinity War rather than get killed off. Yeah. And then just keep coming out of retirement. People can just say, get this man a shield every time <laughs> things go a bit bad. Whereas, to- I mean... Tony or Bruce could die now that, you know, we've got a new sexy scientist coming over in Reed Richards. Who needs him? <laughs> Every time I watch that trailer, I just hear, get this man a shave anyway. So. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so the game I want to play as we move on from the MCU is moving into phase four, which of these movies do you think gets sequels? So I'm going to run through what we've seen in phase three and you can tell me whether you think that film series continues into phase four. Uh, Captain America. No. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get another Cap film. I think he'll just be in Avengers films. Great. Uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. One. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. I I think because I think they're going to be running low on solo characters from the first wave to do films about and, yeah, I think he's more likely to get another one than Ant-Man and the yeah. Wasp. And also, you guys, I rewatched uh Doctor Strange, which it, it, it holds up. I'm happy you saying that Doctor Strange is one of the best Marvel movies of Phase 3. Maybe the best Marvel movie of Phase 3 so far. Let me check. Yeah, it is. And uh, I'm I'm so excited about watching a Chiwetel for Mordo proper villain movie. That is going to be great. I'm yeah, ex- I think, I think we'll happen. get that. We'll get that at least. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, this, this is a no-brainer. Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. We're, getting, we're getting volume three. Uh, another no-brainer, Spider-Man? Yeah. 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 Uh, this one's interesting. Thor? Mm, nah, no. It does kind of depend where Infinity War leaves him and, and the Asgard. If it leaves him back with the Avengers, if it leaves him back on Earth, then no. If he's back off out there, then there's more scope for doing another one. I, think, I mean, the thing. I think yes. The I think thing we, you have I to think kind the, of look I think at the is, Thor series is the one that continues. I think it, it seems like Hemsworth is the cheapest, do it doesn't well. it? <laughs> like Hemsworth, the guy they can afford to bring back if they want to. But then What's I think Ragnarok's box office like actually. I'm curious where that's hit now. Oh, it's hit eight three three. Yeah, is the latest. So, yeah, and I mean, he's not right. getting the cut that Robert Downey Jr. would get for an Iron Man 4, so... Yeah. Okay, uh, Black Panther. 100%. Yeah, agree. Um, probably, but it's tough to say until we've seen it, but... Probably. Do you know what? I was say, um, I was, uh, I'll give him a shout-out, because he always enjoys it. I was chatting to Reese about the Avengers trailer, <laughs> and, and we were we were saying... Well, I was saying to him... I get the vibe with Black Panther in the Avengers Infinity War trailer that I got when I saw Loki in the Avengers trailer. Like, oh, they must be really confident that this character works outside of this, that they are willing to make him such a central figure in the 
in the main crossover movie. And I get the sense, not with T'Challa himself particularly, but with the Black Panther world, the Black Panther, you know, with Wakanda, with the supporting characters, that they are confident that they smashed that out of the park. They're very confident with that. I, I think there is, with the possible exception of Thor Ragnarok, but that wasn't a new property, They, it feels to me like they're as confident in that as they were with the first Guardians in yeah. terms of we, we know we've got something here and we know people are going to love it. Yeah. Um, Avengers, so obviously we know we've got an Avengers 4 finishing off Phase 3, but do you think Avengers in in, in this kind of the characters come together and they are tight it's under the Avengers banner do you think that continues I think on? I think I think that will always be the central hook yeah definitely even if it takes you know even if it takes longer to get to the next one even if you're talking about six or seven films before getting another one then again has it been that many since Ultron it probably has hasn't it I think, anyway I think, I think they're I, just going to churn them out every three or four years yeah. I, th- I think we will, yeah we'll still get them Ant-Man and the Wasp you think that's it for Ant-Man and the Wasp? Because I, I think something's got to give, and I think if we keep saying yes to things, we're gonna you're gonna say you're gonna say Black Widow, and we're gonna be forced to admit that they're never gonna do that Black Widow solo <laughs> movie. I think, uh, I think that I think it's pushing it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I think it's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it, and I, I hope it's good, and I hope it does well. I feel like it's more disposable than some of the others. I do think we don't see, speaking of Black Widow, I don't think we see Black Widow again after Avengers unless it's in her solo film. Yes, that that I think is a safe bet. Um, And I should say, he's not on this list. I don't, I I think this is it for Tony Stark. Of all, like, of all the characters, I can sort of see Robert Downey Jr. doing those cameos. Exactly. This is why I don't think they'll kill him off, but I think they'll give him a proper retirement. Yeah, I don't um, think I don't think we're going to get Iron Man four until like maybe like twenty twenty five or something. Yeah. They do a like anniversary one more go around to finish him off, like they do a, an Iron Man Logan. If they do that, right. where you know old old Rob Downey Jr. Old quits the role, yeah, old man Stark. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, maybe Iron Man four, but otherwise, I think Stark's going to be around. They probably, they his, probably like, would just call the film Stark. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to be literally phoning in his cameos for the rest of time. Otherwise, okay, we've got one last one, which again I think has to be a no-brainer, pending a disaster. Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think yeah, sure. I just think it's impossible to tell because again, it's you know, I'm still I still don't know when we're actually going to see the first one. Uh, and March the eighth, <laughs> not twenty nineteen. Well, we'll see. I, I don't think we will see. I think that she is. I think she is going to be the sting at the end of Avengers: Infinity War, or she is going to be a third act thing in Avengers: Infinity War, and then we see her flashback origin movie in between, and then she is a central figure in Avengers Four. But you see what I mean about something's got to give, and that's what. Yeah, absolutely. Know, I think well, the- I, 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 given Marvel's track record for female-led films so far, the likelihood of a co-headlining Wasp and Black Widow and Captain Marvel all getting films around the same time, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I would not at all be surprised to see the female, you know, team-up movie being the thing that comes. <laughs> Yeah. Next, you know, a, we get, a, a way, we a get way of a... taking care of them all in one go without having to actually <laughs> give them individual films. Well, and also giving us a breather from the Avengers after two films in two years. Go, yeah, we we will still do Avengers movie, but give us a bit. Well, like, <laughs> well, if, well... If, if 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 they are going to do an all female team up film, can that be the excuse to finally do She Hulk? <laughs> uh, that, that that would be cool. 
Uh, also, I mean, Marvel's up to three films a year. If they buy 20th Century Fox, uh, they could easily do four <laughs> or five a year. So, you know, maybe maybe there will be room for all of these characters. Who knows? Okay, uh, let's move over to Sony now. Uh, we, we already discussed Venom in the news. Um, and so what we get to discuss here instead is... What's it called? Into the Spider-Verse? Enter the Spider-Verse? No, Into, Into the, the Spider-Verse. Spider-verse. So we got a look at the, the first trailer for Into the Spider-Verse, which is a Miles Morales-led Spider-Man animated movie from, um, I think was written by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, which, uh, you know, that's that's enough for me. I didn't need to see anything. <laughs> that that was enough. Um, well, oh, I, I, re- I rewatched half of Cloudy Rich and some Meatballs uh, the other week, just like it was on TV in the background, and I was like, "Oh my god, those guys are so good!" Just in the incidental little things that happen, they are incredible. And oh, just uh, this, I, I think we've got split opinions on this, but that that well, for every, me is everyone enough. Everyone on the internet loved it, apart from one man. And that <laughs> one man is on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, James, you miserable git. What's, what's your issue here? So, I just, okay, I thought the animation looked bad and I thought the aesthetic that was is, lazy. And I just, it didn't insane. excite me. There was just nothing about it that made me go, ooh, that looks good. I just what's, thought, oh, that looks what quite was, bad. What was bad about the animation? The animation, I was like, oh my God, this is this is not just your cookie cutter uh, an That's animated like the opposite movie. of what I thought. It looks like they took the most generic US animation and stuck some like edge assist mm. Instagram filter over the top. James, as someone who doesn't like animation, yeah. um, I mean, in fairness, <laughs> what I like is Japanese animation, which has very different like aesthetics to American US animation. No, but I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it's as generic as you're saying it it just to me it yeah. could be any pixar movie but slightly nah. worse i think i i think you're projecting the moment when he takes off the mask and i'll grant you that his face is classic like dreamworks face <laughs> but i think you're projecting that onto the rest of the trailer but before the rest of it it just I looks like a, there was lots of really stylish movement no before that it just looks like and... a a shitty computer game cutscene before then. That was the point where I was like, oh, it actually is CG animation, not like, you know, done in some bizarre engine. Like when he takes no, the mask I, off, I, that's the I, bit I, where I, it I, looks most like an actual film to me. I, th- I think it had an aesthetic and I think it had character and I think, that, as I say, there were like interesting shot choices and angles and... Um, and th- I, I like mean, the, the thing is, all I can say to is... The, uh, to the flat 2D animation. All I can say Something is I completely annoying, disagree. Because, but... <laughs> like, the, okay, the thing that I noticed most was that, and admittedly this might have been with the encoding of the trailer or something, but they had CG animation, but they'd, like, mess with the frame rate to try and make it look hand-drawn, like the keyframes weren't smooth. And I just looked at it and went, it looks like they've deliberately made it cheap. And no, like, so I, I, I think they every third frame or something. I think they've deliberately made it incredibly stylized. I, I yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't disagree more, James. Uh, I thought this looked just. I mean, that was it. I, 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 I could and am right now watching it on mute, and I was like, 
oh yeah this this looks like something special uh i i I think i think it can i think it can potentially look like cheap animation and still be really great you know like it doesn't have to be expensive animation for it to look perfect it doesn't have to be you know every shot rendered within an inch of its life sure with the money that pixar has they can they can do weird trippy stuff with it I mean, sure, like, but, I mean, even within, in, even like, in some of the CG, like, even in some of the three D CG animated shots, they've got some of those like comic book book dot effects in the background, uh, uh, like, like to show lights and stuff like that. And I, I just—that's I just, what I mean about the Instagram filter thing. It just looks like they've gone. Oh, put one of those things on that makes it look hand drawn. But it's yeah, not. I mean, it's I, not I, on. I it's not on everything though. On something is a really. It's a lazy shorthand. Even but it's put them on our podcast artwork for the first <laughs> but it's not it's not like it's put over an entire shot it's put over small... i know but they, like that's what made it look like a beautiful joe cut scene to me like it was just I mean, like further than that as well i have problems with the general aesthetics which is that they what they've got is oh this is the black spider-man film so let's put him in 160 dollar air jordans let's put some graffiti and hip-hop over the trailer like black spider-man the you know spider-man for black people like it just seems so lazy because none of it speaks to Miles as a character. I it's all about it, the marketing. I thought it spoke. It for me felt like a Spider-Man for kids who what who probably know a little bit about Miles Morales from the TV shows that they watch. Um, more than I, I, I really didn't get the vibe of yeah, this is a black Spider-Man film. I I got the vibe I mean, of... like, th- like, this is the reason that I'm just saying, like, I'm un- uninterested in it, because I'm demonstrably not the Tiger audience. And, like, if, you know, if there are black children out there who are excited by seeing Spider-Man, you know, engaging in the same pop culture they do, then I'm more than happy for them. But I just, I can't get excited about that. Like, as a yeah. viewer... Uh, well, I I think it looks. Great. I thought the stuff that you were going to get annoyed about was going to be like the idea of it being Spider Verse and the idea of a, say, I mean, a Miles Morales film where a bit more. Uh, so <laughs> it's 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 not that it's it's not that this is a a Spider Man movie where Miles Morales is Spider Man. It's a Miles Morales movie where Miles Morales is Spider Man, and there are lots of other characters with spider powers in this universe. I mean, I admittedly I don't know. Because uh, Seb was saying how he thinks that the film is more going to be Spider-Men in that it's just going to be Peter Parker and Miles Morales. I don't think that it's, no, that no. it's just going to be Peter Parker and Miles Morales, but I think that I don't think it's going to be Spider-Verse in terms of the overall plot of Spider-Verse. I don't think we're going to be talking about the Morland family and, you know, the massive <laughs> sort of ridiculous over-the-top storylines. Yeah. Probably no vampires. Um, the Spider-Men vibe I got was, you know, it's Miles in a world where his Peter Parker is dead, that much is made clear by the mm-hmm. trailer, and I think, judging by the shot of the Prowler, I think we are going to get an adaptation of the early Miles stories, Yeah. but then that scene of Miles and Peter talking gave me a, I feel like the middle part of it will be Miles meets adult Spider-Man, who we know and recognise, and that's where I get the Spider-Men vibe. And then I think it's probably after that that will that they'll team up with lots of other Spider Men for some See, I mean, this is, I like, thought I thought probably the Peter Parker thing was flashback. See, I thought of th- my problem with having a film in which Peter Parker meets Miles Morales as your first Spider Man 
like Miles Morales film is that gives a very strong vibe of the white Spider-Man says the black Spider-Man's fine to enjoy. Mm. And like, that's not how Miles Morales should be presented to the world. Uh, I think Spider-Man is a very well-known IP and it is very confusing to wide audiences of, wait a minute, you said this is a Spider-Man movie, but who, I, that. I mean, sure. So open, so open the movie with Peter Parker dying and, or slash quitting and Miles Morales taking over. Like that's how you do that. You don't have to yeah, have but, him but, like but be there, training there is up a Miles Morales him, or whatever. There is a scene with him meeting, with the two of them meeting though. Yeah, so. well, that's what I'm saying. Like, don't if you're going to do that, it shouldn't be a buddy movie where Peter Parker is like training up and advising the new Spider-Man or whatever. But, like, but you don't know that it is that. No, no, no. This is what I'm saying. Think like, that. I think it's probably just a. I think it's probably just a scene where we get some conversation between the two of them. Yeah, th- this is what I'm saying, though, Spider-Man. is that I, I just I hope... don't think you can make a Spider-Man movie where Peter Parker isn't a part of it. Oh, I, I disagree on that. I, I, I mean, I, I thought this looked... I thought this looked interesting just on its base level because of the animation and because it was Miles Morales-led and because it comes from Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Um... And, and I, th- I, and I think, think that taking this concept of a multiverse of Spider-Man yeah. is a good way to do Miles. Yeah, because that's, that I agree with. it gives you a shorthand for... I mean, you could just do it and do it as this is another universe and you set out that premise at the start. But I think, you know, like if your average comic book reader or viewer, comic book movie viewer or whatever, <laughs> saw a film with a different version of a character, you're, if you're trained in that type of story your natural instinct is to go, oh, it's a parallel universe. Um, okay, just quickly, serious questions. Not, do you yeah. think anyone who watches this movie is going to struggle with the idea of a parallel universe? Like, aren't, isn't everyone a nerd now, especially kids? No, but I, think, but I think the point is, I think you have to say it. I don't think you can sure. assume that people yeah. will just but like, assume the, it. The reason so I a way think, to like, say it is to establish that there are lots of them. Yeah, and like... Is what I'm saying. I... I think that is different because establishing that there are many takes on Spider-Man is a good idea because something I said to you on Twitter is it gives every version of a character equal weight. So if you have a Spider-Ham and Miles Morales and white Spider-Man and, you know, Indian Spider-Man, if you've got all those characters, then it says they're all valid. If you have a Peter Parker, Miles Morales buddy movie, you have white Spider-Man saying black Spider-Man is valid which is problematic. And that's why I think Spider-Verse is a better idea than doing a Spider-Men movie. Yeah, I, I think that, and I, I think that's what it is, personally. If I had to guess, I think the trailer, and knowing what Lord and Miller have done in the past and how they kind of delight of throwing all these things together. You know, bear in mind that the Lego Batman movie came out of a Lord and Miller joint, you know? They <laughs> introduced all of the DC characters in that movie uh, alongside Lego Batman, um, they threw all of those concepts together. And if I had to guess, we are seeing a Spider-Man movie where Peter Parker died or was fought to die. And whether it's an alternate universe Spider- uh, Peter Parker or whether it is a flashback to original Peter Parker, there's an inspirational scene in the middle that kind of sets Miles on his way. And then we go nuts with introducing a bunch of different characters and just from a Sony point of view, where they're trying to launch a shared universe <laughs> just around the Spider-Man concept, a film where you can maybe introduce Silk, 
Spider-Gwen, Silver Sable, those kind of characters who they want to introduce in live action, just to bed that idea here first in a movie which, uh, looking at it, I think could be very successful. Because you've got Spider-Man who, I mean, anyone who has, like, you know, like, younger relatives or has ever, like, you, you know, like, seen a kid with a Spider-Man toy... Fucking kids love Spider-Man. And to actually to actually give those kids a Spider-Man movie that they can all go and watch, that parents don't have to have any qualms, where like they can understand everything in the movie, where the themes are literally for them. Um yeah, okay. I think could could be could be a, a like a, just an incredibly smart move for Sony as a studio. Uh but also I think could work in its own right as well because like- there is so many toys to have fun with in a, <laughs> a Spider-Verse movie. Literally toys. Yes, literally. I mean, okay, the thing is, like, I'm I'm happy for that movie to exist, right? Like, l- genuinely, I want that movie to exist. It's one of the big problems with Marvel at the moment is that they're not doing the kind of, like, child-centric outreach that, that DC have been doing for years and very well. Like, DC hook kids much better than Marvel do. Because Marvel basically starts when you're about eight or nine at the moment. The problem is I've got no interest in seeing a film marketed for and at children. And that's okay. Like, I just, I don't want to see it. I don't mind. (laughs) Shouldn't have made you watch this week's movie. (laughs) For example. (laughs) Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not hating on the movie. I just, it doesn't excite me. So I will probably skip it. Also, I'm telling you guys, if we come out of this movie and we don't have cameos from the Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland Spider-Man, I will be <laughs> stunned. Uh, it feels like a, an open goal. And, and I mean, it, I just think it'd be great if Tobey Maguire was actually the, you know, the original Peter Parker in this, in this movie. Um, I think it looks fantastic. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. But yeah, um, given, given what... Uh what sony are doing here um i thought it'd be good to check back in with the sony universe <laughs> <laughs> let's let's guess which of these movies are going to still happen uh, venom have we have we all agreed now that venom is happening yeah i suppose 
unless a, an earthquake happens on set or something. But I mean, I mean, I, I stop it. The thing that that I keep coming back to with that Venom movie is Michelle Williams signed up for that movie, and she normally doesn't do this kind of thing. So what's what's got her interested? They drove a dump truck <laughs> of money say, onto her. What, what the, 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 She's not made of stone. The, she probably the, has were, like they were desperate to get like, that. Do the Spider-Man movie, Auntie Michelle, Venom. or whatever. They were she desperate to get that Michelle. How old's her child now? But Venom. This isn't Spider-Man. This is Venom. <laughs> I just, I just. Sorry, don't, what's the difference? I, that her child would might might go see a Spider-Man movie, but not a Venom one. <laughs> I just yeah, I just I just don't think that Michelle Williams is the kind of person that you dump a dump truck of money on because what who who's turning up to the Venom movie for Michelle Williams? I mean, there are always people people who do a film and then go. I don't know why I said yes to that. So <laughs> maybe you know, she's not a, immune. It, Michelle Williams' daughter is now twelve, so maybe she's asking why oh. her dad was in a, a superhero movie, but her mum has not been. So. <laughs> Right, okay. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think we're pretty certain that that's happening. Silver and Black. No chance. No, there is no way that movie exists. I think it's happening, you guys. Uh, no, just no. <laughs> Why not? What else is Sony going to make? Well, for a start, a movie called Silver and Black. Yeah. Who's going to watch that? Me. Given what I was saying before about Marvel and, and female-led films, it pains me to say it, because it would be great if they could make it work. They won't. It's a terrible idea. With one one good character who nobody's heard of, and like aside from her fans, most people, if they see the black cat, will just go, isn't that Catwoman? And another <laughs> character who literally nobody cares about at all. That's the thing, right? The black um, cat is a great character to have in a spider-man film yeah she's not a great character to have on her own and she's a terrible character to team up with a mercenary from a (laughs) fake east european nation i think it's gonna happen (laughs) i know i say that with everything you still think gambit's gonna happen i still think gambit's gonna happen yes to be fair i think gambit's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) and i think you're both proved wrong I mean, the the one thing that does have me worried is that Sony Fox deal. If it does happen, I could see it. I could see it falling apart. But uh, if if you know, if it doesn't happen, I think it's still. I think it's still. I mean, there. Gambit is first movie in the garbage chute. If that deal does go through, <laughs> that's guaranteed. That, I would agree with that. Of the announced movies, yes, that is the one that's uh, that's at risk. Okay, um, final piece of news now, and I thought we should pick, because we've uh, dipped into every other studio, we should pick up with uh, DC and Warner Brothers, because um, yet again, there has been a big shake-up with DC after um, the Justice League fallout. So, <laughs> when Batman v Superman disappointed uh, in terms of, uh, may- maybe less so box office wise but it was a disappointment in in terms of the box office not as big as justice league i wouldn't think um but the critical reception was obviously horrendous for batman v superman um and so what happened then was they had they you know they mixed things up within the studio it seemed like Zack snyder got some of his power stripped away um and they inserted uh jeff johns and john berg as kind of the creative guys at the head of the dc films operations uh, John Berg 
in this fallout um has been uh removed from that role he is um he is going to be moved over to be a production partner with Roy Lee, who is a producer of the Lego movie in it. So they still want him involved with their movies. They just don't want him involved with their DC movies. Uh, Jeff Johns, meanwhile, um, is expected to continue working on the DC EU, but more in ad- an advisory fashion. Less <laughs> so. You're probably not going to see him named as a producer on any DC movies uh, moving forward. And he's not going to be shaping the overall direction of the DCEU. Uh, There's also talk that in the new year that DC apparently at present kind of exists as almost its own side studio on the Warner Brothers lot, but that it could be brought into the same building um, in much the same way that happens at at Fox and at Sony, that it's all part of the same studio, whereas at the moment DC kind of gets to sit off at the side and do its own thing. Um, and there's also rumours about which of the films on their slate may or may not be happening. So to remind <laughs> you, to remind you of the films that are currently on DC slate, we have Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, Cyborg, Green Lantern Corps, Batgirl, The Batman, Black Adam, Flashpoint, Gotham City Sirens, Justice League Dark, Nightwing, Suicide Squad 2, Birds of Prey, Deadshot, Deathstroke, Harley <laughs> Quinn, Harley Quinn and the Joker, Justice League sequel, Lobo, Man of Steel. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Also, Nightwing, Joker origin movie. Joker, <laughs> like it just it just keeps going. These are all films that have been announced as being in development or you know actually in production by by I mean, DC. This reminds me of the very early noughties when Marvel kept going like, yeah, we've got tons in development. We've got a Ryan Fist movie. We've got a Black Panther movie. We've got Captain America, and like almost none of those films actually happened. Yeah. So, and again, I think probably the story here is to actually just go through this list because apparently there's there's some Comic-Con going on down in Brazil at the moment uh, Mm -hmm. or within the last week and DC presented a slate there and the films that actually popped up on screen were Wonder Woman 2, Aquaman, Flashpoint, Suicide Squad 2, Shazam, Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps and The Batman. And so of that list, I think, you know, we're not surprised that Wonder Woman 2 is going forward. Aquaman's already in the can. Flashpoint, I think. <laughs> in the can. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's insane. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, Flash Flashpoint, I think, given the success of the reaction to Ezra Miller's Flash, mm-hmm. shouldn't be a surprise that that's going forward. Suicide Squad 2, um, the, the first film did so well financially that it wouldn't make any sense not to make that sequel. Shazam, we know, is is gearing up for production. Batgirl, I think, is an interesting one because I had assumed that that was going to go away, uh, but maybe they just want to stay in the Joss Whedon business. I kind of think part of the point of getting Whedon to finish Justice League was like, well, you finish this and then we'll give you control of Batgirl or whatever. Hmm. And then the Batman, again, they've got Matt Reeves. Um, I think the only question there is whether it's Ben Affleck or not, and I think prob- <laughs> probably not. Question. Hmm. And then Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's you know, it's one of their big characters, isn't it? So why would you not be developing a movie <laughs> set around the Green Lanterns? But... <laughs> So, but interestingly, not on that list, um, the most interesting one, I think, is Cyborg, given that Cyborg is one of those films that has had a release date and has has had a release date for some time. 
Um, do do yeah, we think I that's mean, do we think that's it for Cyborg? The reaction to him seems to have been kind of mixed. Really, I think some people thought he was one of the better things about the film. Um, other people less keen. I thought he was pretty boring, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of I kind of think Cyborg is going to turn up in a Hulk style role in Flashpoint because they've got the Star Labs connection. Yeah, maybe. It feels like the kind of thing where they'll just go like, well, you're not getting your own movie, but we'll promote you in this one. He's our Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah. Not much charisma, but we like having him around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so other films that weren't on there. um, I mean, uh, Deathstroke is is, is kind of one of these that has existed as his own film, potentially for a while has been a development, but that's that's just going to happen within Batman now, so I don't think that's surprising. Gotham City Sirens. Um, I mean, there's the only Harley Quinn that's on that on that list of you know films we're expecting to move forward is Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad Two. So there's Gotham City Sirens. There is a, Margot Robbie's been talking about a solo Harley Quinn movie that she's working on. There is the Joker and Harley Quinn movie team up movie. Um, it it's Gotham City Sirens. It, it's gone a little bit quiet on, and obviously David Ayer was attached to that, and. I'm not convinced that it, you know, in a in an era where Zack Snyder no longer works for DC, I think we're expecting. Uh, I, you know, you you'd be surprised if David Ayer gets to direct another movie for them, wouldn't you? Yeah, I kind of think David Ayer. They'll be like, well, you can do what you like, but not a superhero movie. Like they'll probably stick with the director as an acknowledgement that they screwed him over with the last one. But I don't think he's going to be doing a DCEU film again. Hmm. Um, Nightwing, which was was something that that seemed like it had a bit more, a bit more momentum than some of the other movies. But again, again, do you do you wonder if there is big DC shakeups that what they what they decide is, do you know what we were wrong in trying to f- fast track getting to the point that Marvel got to? If we do want to, if we do want to do Nightwing, we need to do Robin in a Batman story. We need to do Dick Grayson first, and then and then we can, then we can you know spin him off later. I think more than that, what they're doing is returning to their more bankable properties, and like Nightwing, as a property, as someone who needs a lot of introduction. Like Nightwing mm. has the profile of a character like Deadpool. Like you'd have more traction with a Robin movie than a Nightwing movie, culturally speaking. I, I, I think I think you overstate it by putting him on a par with Deadpool. <laughs> to be honest, fair point. Okay, all right. I'm, for, for the rest of this list, I'm just going. I'll go through them again as we've been going through for every film. Uh, d- does the, do these films get a sequel? Does Aquaman get a sequel? Oh, God, <laughs> if he's anything like he was in Justice League, then God no. Yeah, I'm tempted to say now as well. Uh, Shazam, does Shazam get a sequel? Depends if The Rock's still excited after the... Mm. Like, I mean, if the first one clears its budget, then yeah. Because I think does, I think does Shazam get a sequel is more, does Black Adam does get Shazam, made after yeah, yeah, Shazam? It's not, it's not a, if, if we count Black Adam as the Shazam mm. sequel, then yeah. yeah. 
That Wonder Woman will happen if he wants to make it happen. Obviously, yeah. Wonder Woman two is obviously happening, but that and that series continues on in infinity until Gal Gadot says, no, "Yeah, thank you." Yeah. Um, unless unless something badly goes wrong, or unless uh, somebody at Warner Brothers pisses off Gal Gadot, then Wonder Woman three will definitely happen. Uh, you guys, have you heard the rumors that it's going to be a Cold War movie? Really? Ah, uh, <laughs> that and that's why she'd be operating the shadows. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> Gal Gadot is like a. Secret agent Wonder Woman. If they put her in the white suit, then great. <laughs> the, the Diana Prince 1970s white costume. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, go with that. Excited. Uh, so Cyborg, we're not convinced, happens. Green Lantern Corn, we're not convinced, happens either, right? No. Batgirl, we're not convinced, happens. No, I'm quite optimistic about Batgirl happening, to be honest. Okay. I think as long as Whedon is interested, that film is likely to happen. Uh, the Batman will happen in some guys. Yeah, as soon as they've found time to recast Batman, they will just, yeah. announce. They will announce that that film is going ahead when they've got their lead actor, who will not it, be Ben Affleck. It might not be that film that they were planning, but another Batman movie. Yeah, there will be there will be a film <laughs> called Batman. The Batman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flashpoint. Probably, yeah. Yeah. See, I'm again. I'm more convinced that we see a Ezra Miller Flash movie. Less convinced that it's Flashpoint. <laughs> it's just completely yeah. rework it again and go back to the original script. Bring back in Rick Famuyiwa and Lord and Miller, and we go from there. I mean, they could do a Flashpoint movie and use that to rewrite the DCEU completely. Yeah, that's soft possible. reboot. <laughs> they did it in the comics, and it works. Yeah. Short term. Uh, we discussed Gotham City Sirens, uh, Justice League Dark, which. <laughs> That can't happen, it's right? It's on the slate, apparently, but no. No. Uh, no. Can't happen. <laughs> Nightwing, we, we're, we're sceptical. Uh, um, yeah, I'm very sceptical about that. So Suicide Squad 2, I th- we, I think, th- I think we think it's is happening. I think it's one of Nightwing or Batgirl, and Batgirl is more likely. Yeah, I think that's a good shout, actually. Uh, Suicide Squad 2 is happening, right? Yeah. Um, an untitled Birds of Prey film? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> An untitled Deadshot film. Definite. Like, no chance. Um, no. Unless it's something that, that Will Smith decides he wants to make happen. I think Will Smith uh, will be lobbying hard to get into the Black Panther sequel, if anything. <laughs> like, he uh, backed un- the wrong horse, clearly. Untitled Deathstroke film we've already spoken about. Uh, right, so what? what's our bets with Harley Quinn? Because they're going to do something with her outside of the Suicide Squad franchise so is that a harley quinn on her own movie is that a harley quinn and joker movie is that a harley quinn and deadshot movie or is it something else entirely like you know like birds of prey or gotham city sirens i mean it would be very smart of them to give harley quinn her own movie because she sells a lot of (laughs) t-shirts like maybe maybe they could give her some pants to sell this time as well (laughs) yeah harley quinn trousers yeah, I mean, so yeah, a Harley Quinn movie. The only one I'm convinced it's not is Harley Quinn and the Joker. No, because they want if they recast Batman, they will also want to recast the Joker. Yeah, if you could, that's the one thing you can say. You know, if you're willing to recast Batman, you have no excuse to stick with yeah. Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, this is uh, uh, Lobo is not happening, right? <laughs> Probably not. No, we will never see right. a Lobo movie. And then the two that I think are really interesting. Uh, Justice League sequel. It's tough, isn't it? Mm. Um, Maybe five or six years down the line. 
it kind of depends on what happens with Batman and, and what happens with getting back the act. I was going to say, they have to get their shit together uh, before they can do a Justice League sequel, because if they put yeah. another one out next year, no one's going to see it. No. And then the one that I think is most interesting of all, uh, a Man of Steel sequel. I I think it's more likely that the next film Superman appears in is his own movie than uh, Henry Cavill's Superman. The next thing he appears in is his own movie rather than another Justice League. Yeah, mm. I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. And to be agree. honest, I wouldn't be super unhappy about that happening, especially, especially if it's not Zack Snyder. If the yeah. ma- well, you see, I was going to say especially if the man who will not be named is nowhere near it because. Um, <laughs> I'm tired of copping flack for talking about Zack Snyder now. I just want it to be over. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, based on what we got in Justice League, give me that Superman in a standalone movie and I will get enthusiastic about it. I, my dream for the Man of Steel sequel is that it's called Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. Like, Ooh, focus on like the that. interesting part of the character, not the, you know, yeah. the optimism, not the strength. Yeah, no, no Kevin Costner this time, please. I think we've... <laughs> who apparently had a scene cut from Justice League. Incredible. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, well, that's that's all of this week's news. I thought it was a good time to do that, that we had lots of big shake-ups happening in the superior universe. And also, in our last kind of regular podcast of 2017, I thought it was, it was good to, you know, check in on all of those and, and what we might expect next year, because... I think we've talked about this in the in the past, you guys, but superhero movies in 2018, it's, we're barely going to have a chance to talk about new films. All we films. have, sorry, all, all films, sorry, yeah. We have Black Panther, New Mutants, Infinity War, Deadpool 2, The Incredibles 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Venom, Dark Phoenix, into the Spider-Verse, Aquaman. And that is just of, you know, the kind of the, the, the like the main stuff that we will definitely cover. You know, and like that's be... almost one a month, isn't it? I think that's, I think that's 10 movies. Yeah. Yeah. There are like two months where we don't have an old uh, new movie to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're literally February, March, May, June, June, July, uh, October, November, December, December. To be Ooh. fair, this year we've done nine. Yeah, current release films, so it's not that different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, ju- I just remember always looking forward to this year and thinking, "Oh, that's the year that Marvel kicks it up to three, and DC are coming out hard." I mean, because actually, like next year, there's only one DCU movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like even the even the kind of the. Like side films, like The Incredibles and uh, the animated Spider-Man movie, that aren't kind of like stuff that we would, you know, that aren't aren't no brainers. Become no brainers because they're The Incredibles two, and because it's Miles Morales doing. That uh, we'll get a guest on James, don't worry. But because it's Miles Morales in a, in a in an animated Spider-Man movie, you know, we're go, we're going to cover those. So you know, it's th- there's no signs of this thing slowing down, is there? You know, we're. We, we, you know, when we first started the podcast, like, are we going to run out of films at a certain point? And um, I think the answer to that is no, never. We will never run out of films. <laughs> there will be a point at which we literally can't do them all. I mean, imagine if we'd, imagine if we'd committed to doing every new superhero TV show as well. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, that would have been a mistake. So, talk about me not having enough time you... to record minisodes because of a new job. I wouldn't have got this job. 
<laughs> for, for, for those of you who listened to mine and James's news episode where we tried to go through and count how many superhero or how many comic book based <laughs> TV shows there are and did we give up after about 15 yeah um, yeah, yeah. Mm. Flash is <coughs> guys the Flash is still good I mean I just want to say something that I find a bit odd about 2018 actually is that Marvel have clustered everything in the first half of the year so what is it like? Black Panther, February, uh, Avengers, April, and Man, July, uh, and then nothing from Marvel until Captain Marvel in twenty nineteen. Oh, I wonder whether that's intentional. Yeah, it's a yeah, long it's, it's a long gap without Marvel films. How will we survive? <laughs> I know what we'll do. We'll talk about films like Sky High. Oh, hey, let's segue an hour and a half <laughs> into the podcast time. into our discussion <laughs> <laughs> of the actual movie. Uh, so, yeah, well, let's, let's take a listen to the trailer. Um, and after that, we'll come back with our spoiler-filled discussion of the movie. He knew he was in for the ride of his life. Here we go. Welcome to Sky High. You are the descendants of the world's most legendary superheroes. All he wants is to live up to his family name. My parents are the greatest superheroes on the planet. But he's not sure he's got what it takes. Step up here and show me your power. Car. Hero. If you don't make hero, you're just a sidekick. Car. Are you insane? Sidekick! Now... All I ever wanted for him was to save the world. ...to transform himself. We can't change who he is. Not without dropping him in a vat of toxic waste. Where will we even find a vat of toxic... Steve! He'll have to test his limits. You have three minutes to immobilize your opponents... ...and save the citizens. Remember when we used to use real citizens? Yes. Uh. <laughs> and unleash the hero within. He's strong. We're strong. He's super strong. From Walt Disney Pictures, Woo! discovering his powers was just the beginning. Great. Because the heroes of tomorrow. Hey, you wanna dance? No. Me neither. We'll have to save the world today. My old enemy always swore he'd have his revenge on me. Put my dad down. The sky is the limit. Yeah, my boy! Sky High. My boy has super strength. Come here. Ow! Sorry. Ow! You are strong! Okay, um, so Sky High was uh, directed by Mike Mitchell. It is a uh, superhero comedy film uh, that was released in 2005, a Disney uh, movie. Gonna, yeah, can I just say it's a, it's a Disney superhero family comedy scored by Michael Giacchino. Yeah, not his, uh, not his that, finest that, work. That plays with superhero genre conventions that came out in the mid-2000s <laughs> that isn't The Incredibles. Yeah, 
Um, and definitely has an Incredibles vibe to it. What came out first, Seb? Is it? Is, is Incredibles this a- was 04. This was the year after. This this came out the same year as such classics as uh, mine and James's favourite movies, V for Vendetta and The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> and Batman Begins, to be fair. But Yeah. And Fantastic uh, Four, right? Y- yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, and, and so this is, it's it's weird because it almost feels like a knockoff that another studio would put together after having seen the success of The Incredibles. <laughs> and yet it's Disney. Yeah, it's it's strange. But so um, the setup is uh, Michael Angarano, who is an actor that if you don't know his name, you would know his face. You've seen him in things. Um, and he is a general, generally likable presence, which is why he is the lead in a Disney superhero comedy. Um, his dad, played by Kurt Russell, is a superhero known as the Commander. His mum, uh, played by Kelly Preston, is a superhero known as Jetstream. The Commander is super strong. Jetstream can fly. And they are kind of like this universe's two like premier superheroes. And Michael Angarano plays their kid, Will. And his dilemma is that he's about to go, he's about to embark on his first day at Sky High, which is a school, uh, on like a, in a, like a floating sky, sky high school. Um, so it's floating above the rest of the world and they go on a jet powered bus to get up there. Um, and he, his powers haven't manifested yet, but he hasn't told his mum and dad that. Um, so that is, that's his dilemma that he is, he has got a lot, a big legacy to live up to, uh, but he doesn't have his powers, so and he doesn't know whether they ever will turn up. Um, his best friend is played by Daniel Panabaker, um, Caitlin from The Flash, um, and when he turns up at the school, uh, there is um, there is a senior student who's like the 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 kind of the the most popular girl, but also like the, she she runs all the committees and stuff. Uh, she's uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and there's cameos by people like Bruce Campbell and Linda Carter, um, Cloris Leachman randomly as the nurse in the school, uh, and Dave another, Foley. Another, another superhero connection is Patrick Warburton is the voice <laughs> of uh, the villain when when she. Oh really? I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. I can't believe I didn't spot a Patrick Warburton <laughs> voice. Um, uh, yeah, and and so that's that's kind it's, of it's the, also it, it's also got as a as a relatively small role uh the writer of one of my favorite films of the last few years oh, uh, which is jim rash is no. the annoying gobliny sidekick and Seb, uh, no you're not you're not talking about the way way back are you yes oh no what a horrible <laughs> what a horrible shithouse movie i love I jim love rash i love jim rash but it is like it is like someone tried to like write a parody of cutesy coming of age movies ah, and no, it's a it's a wonderful film the lead of that film, it's one of those few like coming of age movies where like the, the awkward lead of that film is Sam Rockwell. The, well, the, but the the kid, the awkward no, kid in that movie, I'm like, yeah, I understand why no one likes him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great film. It's a great. Ignore Joe. Joe is being a James about this film. It's a great film. It's, it's a travesty, and I love Jim Rash by the way. Jim Rash who plays Dean Pelton in Community, which um, is is the kind of the moment at which I fell in love with him. But he uh, <laughs> he was in Civil he's, War. Oh yeah, of course he was. Yeah, he had a he had a cameo there, one of one of the community cameos in uh <laughs> in the Russo movies. Um and he won an Oscar for um The Descendants, right, the yeah. Descendants, yeah. With yes. Nat, with Nat Faxon. 
Yeah, Nat Faxon. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and I, I, w- I would say, though, Seb, I think Jim Rash is my favourite part of this movie. Um, <laughs> and seeing as though we're doing spoilers, uh, we can talk about this. Jim Rash is introduced kind of in shadow alongside the villain who yeah. is plotting something nefarious in the background. And Jim Rash is playing this, like, cackling, but, like, kind of, like... Um, I, I mean, I believe he's what the alt-right would describe as a cuck. Um, he's <laughs> he's this 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 giggling like court jester character who is um, s- subservient to the main villain of this movie, um, who we find out is Mary Elizabeth Winstead in disguise. But yeah, honestly, anyone spoilers. anyone watching this movie who what who doesn't know <laughs> that Mary Elizabeth Winstead is playing a villain from very early on, and that the moment that Jim Rash you you even see him in like shadow in the background doing his little thing, I'm like. Oh yeah, Jim Rash is in this movie. Oh yeah, okay. And then Jim Rash turns up playing just normal version of himself later in the movie, and I'm like, okay, anyone who has seen one frame of community <laughs> would know that that was Jim Rash in both of those scenes. Um, <laughs> and I mean, so, it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. It's what it was my favorite thing about this film. So I mean, before we sort of get into any more of those specifics, then, like, I mean, I was kind of surprised by this film because I quite enjoyed it i think it's a lot of fun and i think i mean there's ways in which it i mean the last five ten minutes or so are pretty dreadful but i think there's ways that it does things really well and i've got to say that if this film if i'd been like 11 or 12 when this film came out this would have been one of my favorite films it would have plugged so (laughs) directly into the kind of stuff i enjoyed I, i i think i think a superhero film aimed at that audience i think and you know as a as a high school comedy i think it nails what it's trying to do for the most part i think everyone in it especially kurt russell is having so much fun um and yeah i know i'm i already know that at least one of you don't agree with me on this <laughs> yeah let's but... let's well well let's guess who that is so this is a film uh aimed towards a younger audience that definitely looks cheap um james what did you think of it i found it a real slog to stay interested in i mean it flies by though doesn't it it's it's like yeah it's it's like a series it's like a series of sketches and you know everyone in it is like just likable enough that the fact that the cast has people like mary elizabeth winstead and kurt russell in it means that the acting, by and large, is better than a film like this would tend to deserve. I was going to say, like, the the vibe I get off it is it's like a made-for-TV movie mm. in which, yeah, I mean, it's... like, a washed-up actor is trying to return to credibility. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if Kurt yeah, Russell Kurt has, like... Russell doing a Disney Well, this film. is the thing. That's, I don't know if, if nice Kurt Russell it. has, like, an alcoholic <laughs> episode in his past and this is how he got out of the... You can't work with Kurt Russell because he's an alcoholic phase. But that's the vibe I got from it. I, do you know what? You've got to remember that this is not far off the era of Disney where they were making high school music. Well, quite. And, and this, this to me had basically a very similar production vibes. So in fact, yeah. yeah. High, and school, a, high School Musical came a... out in 2006 and it has that vibe of like, that's what we're aiming for. And do you know what? If if we spend just enough money on the special effects, we can get this out in cinemas. And it made 86 million off a 35 million budget. So, you know, 
solid work, Disney. If only it's, they it's, made films of that budget level today. It's the well, it's the thing they're doing now. I mean, it probably doesn't have as, as much of a budget, and they haven't been released cinematically. But they've done basically the same thing. Uh, but with the kids of um, all of the baddies from mm. Disney cartoons called Descendants. Also called Descendants, yeah, confusingly. <laughs> um, and, I mean, th- this is basically Descendants 10 years previously. I mean, I am kind of surprised it got a cinematic release because it's so Disney Channel, but... Um, I mean, that's that's kind of my problem with it, which is that it's so, like, I think, anodyne I think it rises above that level. Character- I- characterless. I, like I, I don't agree. I, I, th- I think there's, there's. I think I, I expected that of it. I, how you describe <laughs> it is what I expected. I didn't expect that there would be bits that would legitimately make me laugh. I, I mean, it's the, the got thing is, like, when, funny and, you know. when Disney bought Marvel, people were like, "Oh no!" Like the superhero movies are going to be rubbish. They're going to be like Disneyfied. Like this is what people were expecting it to be. <laughs> I get that, but uh, do you know what? I, I sit I right think... between. I sit right between the two of you. I agree with both of you one hundred percent at the same time. <laughs> it's kind of crap, but it's kind <laughs> yeah, of it's enjoyable. It's crap. Though. Yeah, and I'm like, not going like to disagree a... that it's crap, but it's crap that I enjoyed watching. The yeah, I, I liked seeing Kurt Russell have this kind of fun, and I liked. I, do you know what? I, I just, there was something relaxing about all of the characters being a cliche. You know, like every character literally me knowing exactly what. Like I said, with the facts that Mary Elizabeth playing Mary Elizabeth Winstead's playing a villain, but it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead doing it, and so doing it pretty well. And you know, like the the the. the, the <laughs> so I've just read. I've got the Wikipedia in front of me. Uh, there is a character called Warren Peace. And in brackets, it says a pun on war and peace next to it, which is nice. <laughs> I'd like to Wikipedia to this Wikipedia out. entry because further down, when it's describing the character of Zach, who's the one who glows, it tells you the important plot detail in, in the little description of who the character is. Will's childhood friend, who has the latent ability to glow in the dark, at the change and pose class, he changed but got in his underwear, which is a pair of white shorts with yellow spots. <laughs> I loved, I loved this Wikipedia page. I can tell it was written by a diehard fan, um, or, or or someone who appeared in the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do you know what Zach? Actually, I really liked. Um, played by an actor called Nicholas Braun, who again, I, you know, is still popping up in things, popping up in things now, um, and. I tend to like him when I see him and stuff, and I liked him here. I thought he was, he was fun comedy. He was fun comic relief whenever he showed up. Sorry, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page. I think I know who wrote it because there's one in the list in the character listings. Kim Rhodes as Professor Genie slash Elastic Girl. Oh yeah, the girl who has the talent to twist her body into anything she wants. Her character was never shown in the final cut of the film. Yeah, I think she probably <laughs> added that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like when I when I was looking up uh, cast members of the Renford Rejects on Wikipedia. Uh, and it became patently obvious that the guy who played Bruno de Grady had written his own Wikipedia entry because it described how and when he proposed to his wife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Amazing. Um, I think if the, if there's one, beyond everything that we said, if there's one descriptor of this film that I would throw out there, it is that it is derivative. <laughs> Of everything, yeah, but like, it's not it, pretending it has, not to. Be no, no, it's not. So it's it's literally, and but it feels almost that like yeah, it's set up in a superhero world, and we, you know, kind of like yeah, his his dad's a, a Superman kind of kind of guy, but really, it doesn't lean on any like 
comics tropes more than it leans on any kind of standard tropes that you'd see in anything. It doesn't it doesn't kind of like play with any superhero ideas. It doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. Um but it it, it to me kind of felt like it had the vague structure of a Harry Potter kind of film more than Yeah. You know, it felt it felt like it was the film that came out of Harry Potter and The Incredibles more than it comes out of Superman or Spider-Man comics. Yeah, I think I think that's I mean fair. this yeah. that's sort of my problem with it is that it has all the aesthetics of a superhero movie but it's got none of the themes and ideas in any like it's just a, a high school movie with superheroes in so what i think has happened here is that me and seb have watched this movie and within five to ten minutes gone okay yeah we 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 acknowledge this is crap let's see what we can enjoy about it <laughs> and you and you james went five to ten minutes in you were like oh god this is crap and then after 20 minutes you were like this is so crap and then half an hour in you were like why is this film so crap <laughs> Is that is that fair? It's like you did with Batman v Superman. We <laughs> sat there and tried to see what we could get out of it, and you just weren't having any of it. I mean, no, if I can I'm pick something to praise, <clears throat> I think it's got a, quite a strong plot. Like, I, Do you know what? I enjoyed the I, twist. The I saw central it coming, but I enjoyed plot it. device, but the central plot device with the villain and with the pacifier weapon is genius. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was like, great. I can, I can un- unabashedly praise that. And the, and the pacifier bit leads to one of the funniest moments in the film, which is having turned all of the superheroes into babies, the fact that they have to get all of these babies into car seats. <laughs> <laughs> and it just cuts to them struggling to fasten up a car seat. So let's, I mean, let's that, actually explain. To do up I was going to say, that is a joke written by a parent, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> let's explain what this plot device is, though, because... Let's be honest, one of our listeners has seen Sky High and he fell asleep during the news section. <laughs> so, um, basically, the conceit is that back in the day, one of uh, whatever he's called, what's the, the the commander? One of the commander and Jetstream's greatest victories was defeating uh, a villain called Royal Pain. And Royal Pain had this weapon called the Pacifier. And I don't think that Royal Pain ever gets to use it. In, in the first time around, so we don't actually know what the pacifier does at that point, do we? Yeah, no, he even he even says he doesn't know what it does. Right, when they're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happens is they defeat Royal Pain, and the gun kind of like all we see is kind of like an explosion, and the gun kind of is snapped in half, and it is kept then in uh, the Commander and Jetstream's secret sanctum, and um, so. The film is kind of like we we set up the idea of Royal Pain being a villain who existed out there, and we know Royal Pain has come back because we occasionally go in like cut scenes to Royal Pain. Uh, but what we don't know is that Royal Pain, because uh, his face is obscured and voice is uh, modified, uh, we don't know that Royal Pain is actually a woman and that it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> but how could it be? How could it be Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Because she's now a teenage student at school with Will, but she battled his parents back in the day. So how is that possible? Well, the pacifier is a weapon which is fired at people and turns them into babies. And so her secret her secret scheme is to turn all of the superheroes into babies so that only the villains will kind of be left. I mean, um, and, when you and think when about it, back, that weapon when is it's sort back, of dark. Oh, yeah, <laughs> real like, dark. What's your plan? I turn them into a baby and then I just kill the baby. Yeah, and then... So when she fought the commander and Jetstream and when the gun backfired on her, 
it turned her into ba- into a baby. So she had to regrow up back to being a teenager so she could launch her attack again. And so kind of like her sidekick at the time is then able to like pose as her father. The amazing punchline that it builds to is Mary Elizabeth Winstead frustratedly screaming upon defeat, I had to go through puberty twice. Uh, which is just, which is, uh, I think, a really fun joke in a high school comedy movie. Um, and uh, I, and I, do, do you know what I mean? That conceit, for Sky, for, for Sky High, I was not expecting a conceit that solid in the middle of it. Yeah. Well, like I, like I say, they did the Mask of the Phantasm thing, which is, if you've got a character <laughs> whose face and voice are both obscured, chances are they're actually a woman. a woman in disguise. And Enter Roger Moore. Oh, woman. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah. for you know for a kids film to do that. For example, Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> I mean it's like it's a good twist and it always works. The first time anyway. Yeah. Um, I think I think as well. I think I think I think Royal Pain was a a quite good character design, but I th- I think I I like the character design of the heroes as well. I think uh yeah, you know, I'm not so like part of my part of why I struggled to enjoy this is cuz like the designs yeah, um, are intentionally generic and it's kind of generic superheroes is something that I don't really enjoy when Image Comics does it. And I definitely don't enjoy it when Disney do it. Like, I think if you're going to do a film like this, it makes more sense to do it with the license. No. What? what, what well, like, do like, like for example, it? Superhero Girls, which is like a bunch of teenage superheroes in high school. But uh, no, I, do you know what? I I think this film works fine being it's being completely its own thing. Uh, it you know just it would be nice if they had slightly better costume design. I would agree with that. Uh, but there's also something very kitschy in mid two thousands about how crap all of the clothes that everyone is wearing at all times are, <laughs> especially especially the group of friends. And so that, that's that's something that I think is is quite fun about the movie that. So Will turns up at school and he doesn't have his powers yet. And so he will eventually get both his mum and his dad's powers and will be like the best superhero because of that. Um, but like, I, I think it's fun. The school kind of sorts everyone's everyone into either hero or sidekick from word go. <laughs> and the person who sorts them is, yeah, that literally it's the sorting <laughs> cat. No, it's Bruce Campbell. It's Bruce Campbell. And Bruce, Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Campbell, as in anything, is having a lot of fun. Bruce Campbell. Um, Bruce Campbell's great every moment he gets yeah. in this film, <laughs> and and the group of friends. So that it, it, it's basically it's set around it's set around the misfits. So there is a kid who glows slightly if it's dark, and you cup your your, your hands around your eyes. That's funny. There is a girl who turns into a guinea pig who, by some quirk of fate, was not played by Aubrey Plaza. Seb, can you explain? <laughs> I'm rewatching Parts and Wreck as I go to sleep each night on Amazon Prime. I'm just putting on in the background, and she that character has a very young Aubrey yeah. Plaza vibe to her. Uh, there's a kid who melts into a puddle. Um, Caitlin from the Flash uh, communicates with plants, and then there's Warren Peace, who is the villain, ostensibly because he's one of his parents is a hero and one of his parents is a villain, and his villain father was imprisoned by Will's dad. He's kind of the antagonist throughout the film, who, of course, will come good in the end, and they'll become best friends. Um, yeah, I was I was expecting a bit more of a, you know, for him to be a quite interesting character, and to have the, you know, the 
there's certainly some there's mileage you can get out of my father was a supervillain, but I actually kind of want to be a superhero, but everyone thinks I'm going to be a supervillain. Mm. This film did not do that. He's just a <laughs> dick until suddenly at the end he decides to be slightly less of a dick and, and like off screen we're told at the end that he's become Will's best yeah. friend. It's yeah. like, really? He's, he's, hands- a dick. he's handsome though. <laughs> I mean, he's, it was he's handsome like, and he's dreaming. <coughs> well, he was he was he was a model who hadn't acted before, and boy, can you tell! <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> like it's a bit sort of on message Disney happy, isn't it? Yeah, I love the ending where the film. You can tell the film is so proud of itself. He's like, "Who would afford it? My my best friend became my girlfriend. Uh, my 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 uh, my uh, arch my, enemy. My ex girlfriend beca- became my arch enemy. My ex girlfriend became my arch enemy, and my arch enemy became my best friend. And you can see like screenwriters throwing their pens up in the air, <laughs> swooping the keyboard off the desk, and going, "We're done, boys." Let's go for a white wine spritzer. <laughs> you know, to, to be fair, what you've missed out is that he does go so far as to say, well, that's high school. <laughs> See, that's the point where I thought James would like the movie, because James, you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You like superhero stories as a metaphor yeah, for what happens at high school. Metaphor. Not just like outright talking, like staying, saying the themes. Yeah. <clears throat> I like though. I, I think I think it picks a relatively interesting thread, and I think it's a, one that's worth comparing to The Incredibles in terms of what it does with the the idea of the sidekicks and and the sidekicks being the the lower class at school, um, and you know the and I, I just I, I I really like the the scene where they first are in the sidekick class and their teacher is a guy who used to be the commander's sidekick yeah um, i was gonna talk about that so that's dave foley um uh, kind of you know a veteran american comedy actor uh i think most people would know him from the kids in the hall and news radio um he, he's one of the two i think alongside jim rash is one of the two genuinely kind of like little subversive streaks in this movie where like dave foley is playing a weird creepy character Mm. Um, uh, but, but like, kind of with a heart of gold. But there's just there's something slightly disconcerting about him, and there's something very disconcerting about Jim Rash's uh evil sidekick. Um, and especially, I mean, the image of Dave Foley dressed up as all American boy will be seared into your brain. It's uh, it's deeply uncomfortable. But I I think it's it's fun, and it does have a little bit of emotional emotional resonance in there and it's fun it's fun when he gets to interact at the end with kurt russell and kurt russell is playing this version of a character who you can tell he wants he wants to be a good guy and he is a good guy but he's he's a little bit of a douche like you imagine the a lot of these superhero parodies the kind of the superman figure is normally a bit of a tool isn't he <laughs> yes <laughs> What does that? What does that tell us, Seb? Because <laughs> people don't get Superman, it's so they project a version of Superman onto it that that's the one they have. It's because people think Superman yes. is the alpha male, whereas actually he's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> um, we 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 haven't mentioned the special guest appearance by Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. Oh, is that them? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's just who they literally are. Just <laughs> I fully powers. believed you. <laughs> I could absolutely have bought that. 
Oh dear. I mean, it would have been about 20 years too, well, but 10 years too late. <laughs> I mean, they were in Power Rangers a lot longer than you think. <laughs> oh, it speaks to how similar they yeah. are, though. Oh, and actually, speaking of that, there's a really weird moment where um, the commander remarks on how attractive Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character is. Hmm. And that's a little bit weird because, you know, he doesn't know that, that she's actually his age, albeit D-age, but he's basically talking about a high school student there. That was 2005, it, kind of it was goes fine. Unnoticed. It was fine then. Yeah. So now well, now was, standards have changed. Well, technically Mary Elizabeth Winstead was probably already in her <laughs> 20s by then, but yeah. even so. I think she was 21 maybe? Okay. Also, I found it quite weird that her character has a comic book referencing name and nobody else does. She's called Gwen Grayson. That's not oh, yeah. accidental, surely. <laughs> so why isn't anybody else... I, I was looking out for everyone else's names to be references. And apart from War and Peace, they were <laughs> Yeah, that's weird. It does feel a bit left over from a previous draft, doesn't it? Yeah. Where they went, and we please make these characters legally distinct. <laughs> and we haven't talked about uh, Ron Wilson, bus driver. Either. Oh yeah, good old Ron. Have you got anything to say about Ron Wilson, bus driver, other than the fact that he turns into the Toxic Avenger at the end? <laughs> uh, I liked him. He was nice. He's the Super Troopers guy, I think. He is, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Heffernan. Yeah. Which apparently, I just got, apparently they're making a sequel to that. Yeah, yeah. Twenty of years after it. <laughs> um. Also, okay, I am going to make a, a nitpicky comic booky point about this. Um, but the opening credits and the closing credits are obviously done in you know a sort of comic book um, caption style, um, and they use I'm pr- I'm pretty sure the font they use is a Blambot font. It's a really recognisable, obvious font that people always use for comic booky things, and I've used it many times myself. But in the opening credits, all of the eyes in words are crossbarred uh, eyes, what, and in the closing credits. <laughs> In the closing credits, there's a mixture. Sometimes it crossbars them and sometimes oh, no. it doesn't. So somebody was not paying attention when they did their lettering. There. Didn't get Those this who with don't hand know, lettering. If you're, if you're lettering comic books and you're doing the letter I, if it's the word I on its own, as in I, as in a person, you put crossbars on the I. If it's in the middle of a word or at the start of a word or whatever, if it's in a word, essentially, you just do a straight line. That's how comic books. Well, if any work. listeners hadn't already fallen asleep, it wrong, Seb, I think and it's a at this point, mistake. <laughs> if anyone got through the two hours of this podcast, they deserve to have me give them a lesson in comic book lettering. <laughs> uh, well, let me talk about something that was niche and j- just interesting to me. Then, um, lots of weird, crappy cover versions on this soundtrack. Uh, one over the end credits by Bowling for Soup, which thirteen-year-old me would have absolutely loved. So that was great. I think I think thirteen year old would have loved is is the best way to describe this because I said that at the start and I, I I stick to that. Watching this now, I could see how I would have really liked it as a teenager it, it, around the time that I liked other teen comedy type things. So maybe slightly younger than a teenager actually. <laughs> I was going like, to say I think I'm around the time that I watched things like Saved by the Bell and California Dreams. I so think I would have really I liked like it at 11. about age six or seven. Well, actually, I mean, speaking of 13-year-old me, 13-year-old me would have had the biggest crush on Mary Elizabeth Winstead in this movie. I think that's fair. <laughs> I mean, I I have a crush on her now, but just adult her now, not... Times may change, but Mary Elizabeth Winstead will appear in films where it goes into slow motion and music plays when a character sees her for the first 
Oh wait, that was happening in the movie. I thought that was just what happened whenever I see Mary <laughs> yeah. was in Winstead. Certainly did for you and McGregor. Oh, uh, is that too soon? <laughs> uh, I think probably in the realm of celebrity indiscretions, this is more in the Joss Whedon realm. Y- yeah, 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 certainly not as bad as. <laughs> hmm. Let's move swiftly on from that. In fact, let's go to the comic book recommendations section. Seb, have you got something fun for me to read this week? Uh, I, th- I think this is really good. Yeah, it's very recent as well. Um, so it's something else that features young superheroes and the offspring of superheroes learning to be superheroes. So it's actually even more relevant than X-Men Season 1. Oh, is it The Runaways? No, it is... <laughs> oh, wait, are you guys, when are you going to recommend me The Runaways? <laughs> it's, it's not that interesting. Um, no, this is uh, Super Sons, uh, which is a spin-off mm. from the current run of Superman. So I think, well, yeah, well, I think Super Sons started, might have started this year. Um, but it's basically, uh, what I think you should do is start with the two-part storyline in the pages of Superman. So it's issues 10 and 11 of the current volume of Superman. Uh, it's by Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, and I think Doug Mankey's on some of the art as well. Uh, and then that's spinning into the Super Sons series, uh, which is by uh, Peter Tomasi, and I think... Uh, I'm going to say... How do you pronounce... Is it Jorge? How do you pronounce George when it's spelt the Spanish way? Uh, Jorge uh, Jimenez uh, is the artist. And it's about Damian Wayne, son of Batman, and current Robin, and John Kent, son of Clark and Lois, uh, current Superboy. Because the thing about uh, John Kent is that he sort of um, accidentally got <laughs> folded into continuity. Uh, <laughs> because when DC did Convergence, which was their storyline, um, kind of during the New 52, but when they decided that all of the previous universes did still kind of exist, um, we followed Clark and Lois, like a, an older version of, of the Clark and Lois that like I'd grown up reading, uh, where Lois gave birth to their son, John. And that was a really popular little storyline. So they did a five-issue miniseries um, that established that they were living secretly on the real, um, you know, the New 52 Earth, um, and that their son had grown up to be, like, you know, 10-year-old John Kent. So that was set on the farm. So what happened was the New 52 Superman died, and so living in secret, Superman took his place as the Superman of Earth, but the Kents were still living secretly under assumed names on a farm in the countryside. So when you read these two issues, they take place before the uh, what they've done most recently, which is the big continuity shuffle that's merged um, um, original Superman with New 52 Superman, and so he now has the combined history of both of them. But essentially, John Kent is the son of a married Clark Kent and Lois Lane, and that's really all you need to know. Um, but Super Sons is, is, um, as, is about... Damien and John and their sort of uneasy friendship uh, as they learn to be superheroes together. I mean, Damien's been been Robin for a little while, but and that's part of the fun is that Damien is very arrogant and does not like John's constant enthusiasm and optimism. Um, so there's a, just a really nice conflicting relationship, but burgeoning friendship between the two of them. Um, the dynamic between the two of them and also uh, Bruce and Clark is just loads of fun um it's like what if batman v superman was enjoyable <laughs> sorry we've done it again um, <laughs> but no it's you know uh, yeah young young superheroes offsprings of famous superheroes be learning to be superheroes in a fun way so give the first arc of super sons a try i think it's five issues long it's been collected in a trade uh, that you can get on comiXology so 
Yeah. Okay, brilliant. James, what are you recommending? Uh, so I went the direction of like superhero training. Um, I mean, I kind of wanted to go with an X-Men book for this, but I decided you've probably read enough like crappy 90s X-Men off my recommendation. So I'm actually going to recommend you uh, the first three issues of Avengers The Initiative from 2007, which are by Dan Slott and Stefano Caselli. And essentially it's a bunch of, like, it's set up in the wake of Civil War, in which superheroes now had to be licensed and trained. Um, And it's essentially a few characters you'll probably recognize, including War Machine, uh, training a bunch of characters you'll have never heard of. And if you're going to do original superheroes, I think do them in the Marvel Universe. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Um, Okay, well, I think we'll move swiftly on to the pitch then. And this week, it's a pretty simple one. I want to know if you were doing a superhero Christmas movie, what would it be? Uh, because tis the season and all that. So, James, I'll come to you first. Okay, so, Joe, I don't know if you realise this, but Santa Claus already exists in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. Of course he does. And what you probably don't realise is that he's actually a mutant, too. <laughs> no way. Well, I mean, no, I believe yeah. it. So, and what I was thinking is, if you're going to do a Christmas movie, it has to be kind of special, right? Mm-hmm. And so... What would be the most special gift that they could give to comic book fans? And that would be uniting the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as is about <laughs> to happen if the check's clear, basically. Yeah. So I was thinking for your Christmas movie, like Christmas next year, you have uh, a special in which the mutant Santa Claus finally uses his immense powers to give us what we want which is the marvel universe united under a single banner (laughs) i see what you've done there i mean maybe it's only an hour-long christmas special but that's my pitch the the x-men and avengers sharing the screen fighting santa claus fighting santa claus (laughs) right um well that sounds amazing um seb can you do better than the x-men fighting santa um so you again something you may or may not be aware of is that Christmas stories are a, a bit of a staple in superhero comics and particularly in DC. Um, not only have we quite often had Christmas specials or holiday specials that are sort of an- anthology issues with short stories in, there've been plenty of kind of one-off single issue Christmas stories, uh, one-off Christmas stories based around certain characters as well. And of course the anthology story is I think quite an integral part of Christmas, you know, kind of Christmas storytelling. I think so I think rather than having a movie that's just one full-length Christmas story, I would rather do an anthology Christmas movie, um, basically doing adaptations of lots of my favourite short Christmas stories from DC Comics past. Um, are you pitching? So story- sorry, are you pitching like a DC Comics holiday <laughs> special here? Yes, I'm pitching a DC Comics holiday special. Are they going to give one of the actresses a lot of drugs and make her sing? <laughs> Amazing! I see what you did there, James. When did that happen? There's Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think they needed to give totally her the drugs. I think she brought I them like herself. <laughs> I don't like Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, do we not like Star Wars in this podcast? But it's. I, I thought <laughs> we never mentioned that. <laughs> That's why we've got no listeners. Uh, and sorry as well. I've got a little beam on it at the moment. I wish American critics would stop just lavishing praise on Ryan Johnson all the time. <laughs> Apparently, it's good. 
I'm sure it is good. As good as Star Wars can be. People have been seeing it. People we know have been seeing it tonight on the night we record this. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm sure The Last Jedi is good. It looks quite good. It's, and just <laughs> Ryan Johnson, right? He's made he's made three decent <laughs> films, three decent but flawed movies, and we everyone just, like, licks his bumhole as a director. He's like the American Edgar Wright. You know, like, I, I mean, at least Edgar Wright started off making really good films, but it just seems like the press, it doesn't matter what they do, what he does, it's just like, oh, no, he's amazing. And, oh, he's, and his best buddies are all of them as well. It's so Can frustrating. I <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry. Have you not finished? I thought you'd finished. I haven't finished. I haven't told you what the stories are going to be. <laughs> <Can't>... <laughs> I've just... put thought into this. I've put research into this. <laughs> Look, given how the answers normally come out, you can forgive me for being confused about that. Although I guess I did send them a few hours earlier today. Exactly. So I did some research. This right, time. Or okay. I did some thinking. So the stories that I would like to include... Uh, are Ex Machina, which is from Christmas with the Superheroes 2 from 1988, which, by the way, is one of my favourite single-issue comics ever. It's a wonderful anthology issue. But it opens with a Superman story by Paul Chadwick, the creator of Concrete. And it's basically a story about Superman rescuing a bloke um, who's stranded in a broken-down car in a snowstorm who's about to commit suicide. Uh, It's really cheery, uh, but it's a really lovely Superman story. Personally, Uh, I'm a a fan of his building material more than anything else. (laughs) I've never recommended concrete on the podcast. I've been looking for an excuse. It's I do I do love concrete, but you know, gravel's also <laughs> up there. I've no idea what you're talking about. Shut up, Jay. <laughs> concrete is a really, really good comic, Joe. <laughs> there, there's a character called Concrete. Okay. He's trying to derail my pitch. I just found it amusing that you, you credited someone joke. as the creator of concrete. So are you gonna now do seven more stories, Seth? <laughs> this is I've, I've just I've put thought into this pitch. It's been ruined by you both. You should have done what I did nonsense. and Googled Santa Claus Marvel while I while you were doing your <laughs> recommendation. No, come on, right. Seb has like seven more stories to tell us about, I think. <laughs> we should give him a chance to deliver them all. What's the next story, Seb? I'm not doing it now, I'm just gonna write it all. <laughs> oh, no. I've got I've got a list of nine <laughs> stories here that I wanted to see included in my anthology. <laughs> No, there literally are that many. Um, could could it be animated, Seb? I think I I quite like the sound of this if it was an animated thing instead of live action. What do you reckon? Bits of it, bits of it are intended to be animated. Oh. That's already oh, no. in the premise. Oh dear. Well, I mean, I think uh, as good as this sounds, Seb. Um, I mean, I just like this the idea of this mutant Santa. I, I think maybe I'm gonna just have to go ahead and award the win to James. What, James? Would you be cool with that? Are you really not giving me the chance to actually do it? Well, you said you you said you weren't going to do it anymore. You were having a paddy. No, I, it was an idle threat. I was waiting for you to give me the opportunity. Oh, I, oh, I mean, I, I'm sorry, Seb. I didn't realise. <laughs> you could still do it. You could still do it if you wanted to. Do you still want to tell no, them? I'm sulking now. James, is this an idle threat or is this a real no, threat? No, no. We're all friends. We are all friends. Seb, do you want to like pick one of your stories to still tell us? Or no, I can't tell you one of them. I have to. You have to have the whole picture. I have to tell <laughs> oh, you what God. these stories are, so you can go. Oh, they all sound like really good, interesting DC Comics super <laughs> Christmas stories that that could make a good anthology movie. Okay. Well, uh, what do we do, James? Do, do we do, do we do all remain seven? I said as long as as long as Gal Gadot sings. <laughs> Seb, tell us all of the rest of them, please. We we are desperate to hear them. Second one is Sleigh Ride <laughs> uh, from Detective Comics 826. It's a story about the Joker kidnapping Robin and driving around Gotham City. Oh, I Christmas. like that one. 
Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. See, I picked good <laughs> stories. Do you want to hear the rest of them? It, it actually, it sounds like um, I'm sure there's a like an episode of Batman the Animated Series that's something like that. I might be getting confused, but it does sound like something familiar. There might be, but I don't know. But the, the Batman the Animated Series leads nicely into uh, the next one. Although maybe I put it in the wrong place in the order. But the Harley and the Ivy, <laughs> which was actually ad- oh. adapted for an episode of Batman the Animated Series, so that segment would be animated. Excellent. Uh, we'd get Bruce Tim and Paul Dini back to to animate that. Uh, I'd do Metropolis Mailbag, the first version of because actually they, when they did it once, they then mm. did it every year on Christmas for subsequent years for a few years, where we learn that Superman gets lots of letters addressed to him in Metropolis asking him for help with things. So on Christmas every year, he goes to the post office and reads through all the letters and tries to picks out a few people to try and help. Uh, Merry Christmas, Justice League Now Die, which is a, a Plastic Man story from Mark Wade's Justice League run, which is a lot of fun. It's about uh, uh, Plastic Man and Santa Claus, and that could be animated. I've talked before on this podcast about wanting to do an animated Plastic Man movie, so there's your segment. Uh, the Santa Contract, which is an issue of Garth Ennis's Hitman, uh, in which so we'd have a, we'd have, we'd get a Hitman movie out of this with Tommy Monahan. Uh, having to hunt down uh, a, blo- a, a janitor who's fallen into a load of toxic waste and is going around killing people while dressed as Santa. Uh, Christmas Night, which is an issue of Starman, so we'd get Starman in there. It's a really nice story about Jack Knight helping out a homeless veteran who's who's been working as a store Santa Claus and has been robbed at Christmas. The Silent Night of the Batman, which is probably the greatest ever DC Comics Christmas story, which is set on Christmas Eve, and Jim Gordon... Uh, signals Batman to come to Gotham City headquarters on Christmas Eve with the bat signal. Batman turns up and Jim Gordon says, no, there's, there's not been a crime. We just thought you might want to join in with a caroling concert. And so while Batman is there caroling the night away with the police, um, this, this wave of goodwill spreads across Gotham City and there's no crime in Gotham City on Christmas no. Eve. Uh, and then if we have time, I would work in an adaptation of For the Man Who Has Everything, which is the classic Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman story that's actually about Superman's birthday. But I would just make it that they give him a Christmas present instead. And it's all about <laughs> Superman having a dream about Krypton didn't explode and he grew up there as an adult. It's been an adapted into the cartoon as well. But right. it's very good. It's by okay. Alan Moore. Nine stories. So there. So I put Thor into all of that. You did, you did. And you know what? I would love to give you the win, but I think I already awarded it to James earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can go back on my word. Can't at this make a point. mockery of the process. No, no. Um, I, I mean, honestly, honestly, Seb, such great for you. Should have won, but I, you know, I've made a rod for my own back there <laughs> by already awarding the win to James. I look forward to you, seeing you, my you, Santa you, Claus you, you, with you the X Men movie. You don't have a third co-host for this podcast. That's what you don't have. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh dear. I'm sorry for what this podcast evolved into over the past 10 minutes, but uh, I mean, if the listeners were as entertained by that as me and James were, Seb, then it's all been worth it in the end. (laughs) It's all been worth it. I can take my award home for the Christmas season. It's going to go on top of the tree. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, We're not going to have a sting at the end of this episode telling you what's next, because what's next actually isn't a movie. It's our two-part award special. Uh, So we'll be going back through everything that we've watched um, over the course of the year on the podcast and handing out awards to all of our favourite things from that. Um, So you'll hear the next tag, the next post-credit sting on the end of our second awards part. Um, And we've got a very exciting movie coming up um, first up in 2018. 
Um, but for now, if you're enjoying the show, then please do subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Cinematic Universe. Uh, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com, along with news, reviews, and features uh, by all of us. Uh, you can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter, at cine underscore verse, or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah, whatever. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.